1: everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the six-year history of Star Wars The Clone Wars by discussing each and every episode and episode arc. We got a big one this week, it's a huge arc, it's one of those ones we've Been building up to and looking forward to since the beginning the Savage Opress Night Sisters trilogy from the midpoint of season three. And we're going to be breaking down each of those episodes, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, my name is Dominic, and joining me, as always, to help break down these episodes is my good friend Kieran.
0: Hello, Dominic.
1: How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself?
0: I am absolutely buzzed to be talking about the Night Sisters Trilogy. This is what we're talking about. This is where the Clone War starts to amp up into just a new level. It's transcend- transcending into the beyond, so to speak, because it's absolutely fantastic arc that we're about to discuss. And I can't wait to talk about it with our very special guest that we have joining us today.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because this is such a huge arc, we decided that we needed a pro to help us break down this episode. That's right, a professional Star Wars fan. So joining us is the executive editor of Star Wars Insider, Mr. Jonathan Wilkins. Jonathan, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm actually just an editor. I'm working my way up to executive. Okay. I I
1: thought that's what it said in the magazine because I was flipping through at the beginning. (laughs)
2: Oh, wow! Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I'll be the executive. <laughs> I'm not sure what those duties... It, whatever those duties do, do entail, I'm sure there isn't a pay rise involved, so that's fine. Um, no, it's great to be here. Great story arc. Literally, literally just finished watching it. Um, are we allowed to talk spoilers?
1: Of course, yes, of course. Darth Wall's alive!
2: Darth Wall's alive, everyone! How did that happen? You got chopped in too, And fell down along. long... That's like, you know, it's, it's like something from... Uh, um, Roadrunner Wiley Coyote falling off the side of a, a, a cliff and the little puff of smoke coming up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like that. Anyway, yeah, I can't wait to see that, uh, See uh, what turns out, but I guess we better talk about uh, well, the events leading up to that. I'm really sorry if anyone's seen uh, <laughs> anyone's not
1: seen. Oh, no, 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 no the, the point of the show is for people that want to rewatch the series, because yeah, well, we spoil and it's, everything from stuff that's happened before and after. Like, if if there's anything that somehow this relates to, I don't know, the last missions, you've, it's fair game to bring up at any point. Oh, okay. Point. Oh, fair
2: enough. Right. I guess this this did sort of go out, what, I'm um, looking right now, uh, J- January the 7th, 2011. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if, you, if you're not up to date and you're a Star Wars fan, then I'm really sorry.
1: But... Yeah, had about, you've had about three years to get on that. <laughs> three years.
2: It's, it seems like yesterday yeah. that was... First time, yeah. I was just
1: thinking back, like to Celebration Five in 2010, when all of this stuff was starting to be previewed, and just that, like you said, it seems like yesterday. Now here we are to talk about these episodes. So uh, before we jump into things, Kieran, do you have the episode descriptions for us this week?
0: I do indeed, Dominic. We'll start off with Night Sisters, troubled by Asajj Ventress's growing prowess with the dark side of the Force. Darth Sidious commands Count Dooku to eliminate her. But Ventress survives Dooku's assassination attempt, and the jilted former apprentice vows to take revenge, enlisting the aid of her kinswomen, the, the mystical Night Sisters, in her sinister scheme. Moving on to Monster.
2: Yep, Monster. When Count
0: Dooku calls upon the Night Sisters. Monster. That's correct. Yep. And Count Dooku calls upon the Night Sisters seeking the replacement for Ventress. I think I should know that by now, shouldn't I? She and her kin seize the opportunity to exact revenge. Ventress visits the far side of Dathomir and the males of the planet seeking the most brutal and powerful warrior among them. Towzin has Asajj secretly select a warrior from the distant Night Brother village, Savajo Press. And finally, witches of the mist, Anakin. An Obi-Wan, sent to track down the mysterious figure behind the deaths of several Jedi, soon find themselves on the trail of the monstrous apprentice that Ventress has created, Savage Press, who has been trained in the ways of the Sith by Dooku. Yes. Yes. Wow.
1: Such a crazy arc. And... Like like Jonathan said, Darth Maul alive. we'll get to that at the end. Well, let's just start off with overall impressions of the arc. You know, sort of, and if your impressions have changed in the three years since it first aired. So, well, Jonathan, since you're the guest, uh, we'll let you go first. Um, what was your overall impressions of this arc? And uh, well, have, have have they changed? You know, maybe knowing what comes next, or just in the three years that have uh, come since.
2: Well, I mean. It's interesting. My overall impression of this arc was just how fantastic and how, like we say, three years later, it's not, I mean, you don't really expect things to date in three years, but it, <laughs> it was so vibrant and so sort of such a, it's such a strong arc. There's such, you see things in this arc that you'd never seen before. We've never seen Sith training before. You know, we'd never seen, um, the Night Sisters depicted on the screen before, um, it struck me it's it's kind of scary and sinister and weird and there are questions and um there's dooku in his pajamas and there's (laughs) um there's kind of invisible assassins, and there's um you know there's all kind of strange stuff ventress of course who um and I, i as a professional stylist and i say this with no foreknowledge whatsoever i know as much as you do about this but she deserves a standalone movie ventress. Oh, yeah. Fascinating character. Really fascinating. You know, she, she's up and down, good and bad, interesting story. The backs you know, a flashback in Star Wars as well. We see a flashback, uh, which is, is very rare, um, you know, in the Star Wars, uh, canon it's something they don't generally do in that whole flashback of her remembering her life and now wow it's heartbreaking it's really good sorry i'll stop rambling now (laughs) i really enjoyed it and it's still as brilliant as when it was first on there you go
1: yeah absolutely karen would you like to take a take a turn rambling
0: i'll take my little turn of rambling don't you worry about that it was absolutely incredible this arc i it's certainly one of my favorites and i obviously alluded to that at the beginning of the show Um, Again, it was so dark and nightmarish. I'm not just talking about Duke's pyjamas there. I do mean the arc in general. It was just absolutely phenomenal, really. Um, Just getting really actually delving into the Sith because this was certainly a a Sith-centred arc and it's something that hasn't really been examined in any really episode of the Clone Wars or really in the films. It's always been... Touched upon, but never really assessed in depth, and I think that's what's really exciting about this. We don't just get to see Darth Sidious and Dooku here, but we see a wide range of stuff going around with stuff. Ventress, and then later Savage Press, and of course Darth Maul at the end. So, I, it was just so much good stuff in here. Mother Talzin, the Knights, sisters that for me. That I mean, there's so much to. I just can't wait to get involved and, and really discuss about that. What about yourself Dominic what are your own views on this arc
1: Oh yeah well I'll, I'll just echo everything you guys said I absolutely adore this this story arc and I think it's a lot of it's a lot of fun to watch and there's so much interesting stuff that gets introduced in this arc you know into the official Star Wars canon um, you know with the whole night sister's thing this is the first time we've seen um, this kind of other use of the Force, maybe, slash magic being used on screen. Um, of course, like Jonathan said, the flashbacks, so all the people that are, are reading Episode Seven Rumors and saying, there can't be flashbacks! Well, there already have been, so we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out when, when things um, get get underway. And we get introduced to some, some very major players in the galaxy, like Savage Opress and Mother Talzin, and we really get an expansion of Ventress from just Dooku's little assassin to this very interesting character that goes on such an incredible journey that it's a shame we didn't get to see uh, finished off in the series. And, you know, we're really looking forward to that book when it comes out. Um, and uh, But like Jonathan said, she deserves a standalone film, and they should uh, make that happen. All right, well, let's jump into the episodes proper. I, I, one thing I, I kind of wonder is, is if, if Sidious and Dooku are, are almost redefining the uh, the rule of two in these episodes. And you kind of wonder, because Sidious, we know, uh, killed his own master, killed Plagueis, and Plagueis did the same to all his masters all the way back up to, to Darth Bane, and that was sort of the way the Sith worked. And in this arc, we almost see like a a, a reimagining of it in some ways, where, you know, they now it's almost the rule of three. There's a, there's that third element, the apprentice's apprentice, who is going to team up with the apprentice to overthrow the master. And I'm wondering if that is, has something to do with, with Sidious just being so powerful that Dooku sort of realized he can't do it on his own. Um, Kieran, what are your thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, it's really intriguing. I I don't know whether i go so far as to say it's redefined in terms of this rule of three. I think, as you said, there's definitely a third element there. But as we'll later see in the Rebels art, there are dark Jedi about, but they're not necessarily Sith. And I wouldn't necessarily label Ventress as a, a Sith in the same way as Dooku or Sidious. I mean, they're two Sith Lords, and I think that rule of two is pretty much ingrained and immovable. It is just defined as that. In terms of what Sidious is actually um, looking to do with this, I think... It is because he is so powerful, but he himself wants to redefine it, I guess, in in this way, that he remains the top dog and his apprentice does not overthrow him. That's something that he, well, we'll let you see, doesn't actually work, (laughs) but uh, at this point in time, it does. Um, He's able to keep Dooku as subservient and subordinate to him to such an extent that Insidious commands Dooku to Assassinate his apprentice, he does it. Um, with reservation, but he does it. And that pretty much illustrates to me, uh, um, how afraid Dooku is of his master, even at this point. And he doesn't think that he can necessarily overthrow him right now, or at least with Venturous. Um, but we'll later go to, see, we'll later see that he, he does have plans to overthrow him, but yeah, as you said, he doesn't. He doesn't have the confidence to do it on his own, and I don't blame him because Sidious <laughs> is just really this this individual in time that is so so powerful. He has the power of the entire galaxy within his grasp that can really someone of Count Dooku's level. I, I, I say that in a, in a derogatory way. I don't mean to say that. In that way, I mean, Count Dooku, of course, is a very powerful being, but compared to Sidious, he is no match for him. And and I think that has been made fundamentally clear in these episodes as well. But um, what, about, what about yourself, Jonathan? What, what do you make of the whole Sidious-Dooku rule of two relationship that was really illustrated in these episodes?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the whole idea of um, Dooku um, and him, you know, wanting to take down Sidious... He can't get near Sidious because uh, you know, Sidious is commanding Dooku to do this and do that and com- you know, commanding the, um, the separatists. And so the minute that Sidious, uh, that, sorry, the minute that Dooku betrays Adorda, Sidious will know that he's coming and will be ready for him. So that it, it's, um, you know, it, it's such a cunning game that Sidious is playing. Um, I was just trying to think. Do we ever see Sidious and Dooku in the same room in the Clone Wars?
1: I can only yes. think of once. Yeah, in the in the very last episode of the series, <laughs> at the uh, the final episode of the Yoda arc, um, at, at the end of well, season six. Um,
0: well, well, when you say in the same room, do you mean just the two of them conniving? Because obviously, we see them in the. Um, episode in season four when Chancellor Palpatine is taken hostage. Obviously, him yeah. and Anakin go into that room in that boo. But obviously, yeah. Sidious is portraying his facade of Palpatine. But yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, it, I think it is pretty much the last episode I can think of.
2: Yeah, I mean they 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 don't sort of you know have scenes like what you think of in uh, Attack of the Clones when they they sort of meet at the end and they're plotting and you know, that, there's there's none of that. But I think. <laughs> Um, no, I think it, it's absolutely fascinating. I, I, it's difficult with Ventress. Yeah, she's a Sith, but she's not quite ready to to sort of take the the position of Lord. So I think the rule of two is something that maybe Dooku would like to subvert, but just he just can't because Sidious can kind of see that coming and see see the threat coming, and therefore um, and therefore obviously commands her execution yeah yeah but but she's powerful you know she's powerful because um uh i love obi-wan kenobi he is (laughs) obi-wan kenobi whenever we've done a survey in the magazine is is like in the top two or three most popular characters and i think you know from alec guinness to ewan mcgregor to uh james arnold taylor they have they've never put a foot wrong with that character i've always really liked that character and he's you know, notably popular, he's always the first to go down though when there's a Sith around. Um, <laughs> uh, apart from obviously, in, no, no, he gets killed in A New Hope again, a spoiler. But that's <laughs> a <pretty laughs> um,
1: you <laughs> if you don't know that,
2: if you don't know that, but yeah, he's the first to go down to, to Ventress, who, who, surely is you know not as powerful as Dooku. It's kind of, it's kind of a, it's it's a, it's a strange thing that. Obi Wan always the first. Thing. Anyway, sorry. So again, a rambling observation.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Those Ventress. Is everybody else hearing the echo? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right.
1: Okay. I'm not. Okay. Um, I'm alright. All right. Well, well, Kieran, are you using headphones? That will be edited out. Yeah. Yes, I am. Okay. okay. No, I, I don't. I, I just don't know. I, okay, it's gone now, so I don't care. Um, well, one. <laughs> One thing I I think about Ventress is she seems like, to to use a a sports analogy, she seems like that that player that comes up from the minor leagues, and they have all this talent, they have the raw talent, but they just can never quite put it to use. they never achieve their potential, because that's what I kind of get the sense with with Ventress, because like you said, she is is very powerful. I mean, she, she... beats Anakin and Obi-Wan. I mean, these are the the top 2 Jedi next to maybe Yoda and Mace in the in the entire galaxy and she has them at her mercy and then something goes wrong and she winds up having to to flee from from Dooku. So she always seems like she's that character that if if things would just go slightly better for her. If she's she's always just a little ways away from reaching her full potential and you know, if she ever reaches her full potential, that could be devastating for for dooku or, or or sidious even um but she's always just never quite reaches it and, and we kind of see that all throughout this arc i mean even when she she in a lightsaber duel she beats count dooku she has him at her mercy and then you know force lightning is a uh, is a dangerous well, dangerous thing <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm gonna play devil's advocate here i i don't think she's as as powerful as we are making her out to be. I think there's potential there. There's certainly potential there, and that's evidenced by the fact that Sidious orders Dooku to kill her. And there's a reason why he's also done it now, is because she hasn't quite reached whatever potential she will or she could reach. Um, does it at a more impoverished impoverished state. So it means that obviously Ventress will be killed off. Dooku has no so called assassin. But obviously, we see with regards to the Dooku fight that we see later on there. Of course, Dooku's senses are dulled by that poison or dark thingy, <laughs> without with lack of a better term there, um, that she uses against him. Um, but when we see in Witches of the Mist, she gets bested pretty easily by Dooku in the end when it's just one-on-one between those two. So I don't think she's quite there. Um, and she she doesn't beat him even with Savage Press, who is clearly this brute force that we'll later talk about later. But I, I think she has skills. She certainly has skills. And in terms of the Obi-Wan Anakin fight, I think a lot of that was actually summoned as a result of what Yuka has told her literally seconds before, which is, you're no longer my apprentice. You're going to die. That he's cut off all ties with her and she's got nothing left and she's literally just honing in. She's pretty much standing on her last two legs there. She, she's got pretty much nothing else other than the, the instinct to survive and that's what I think she drew upon when she forced choked Anakin and Obi-Wan. She certainly has got potential and her character is very, very intriguing, but I still don't know if she would really be able to best Dooku in a duel.
1: Yeah, you know, that, that, that's a fair point. I, 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 like I said, I think she has a lot of the potential, but she, like you said, she never quite achieves it. She's always... She, she's not quite at that level, and and perhaps you know, you know, Dooku tells her. Dooku doesn't tell her the real reason he's killing her. she says you failed me for the last time. Um, perhaps she thinks if she can kill Anakin and Obi Wan, then hey, <laughs> he'll take her back as her as his, as his apprentice. And and which would probably happen. I mean, Duke, we see in this arc Dooku has you know thoughts of overthrowing Sidious, and if somebody can kill Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi, I, yeah, I'd want them on my team too. Um, and just one more thing about, about Sidious. I almost wonder if Sidious thinks he's going to be the Sith to break the rule of two. That he will always be the master, and he may just have a, a string of different apprentices. And and this sort of comes by the fact that he, he says to Dooku, I, I would hate to think you're uh, plotting to overthrow me, which... You know, on the one hand, makes sense, but on the other hand, isn't that kind of the whole purpose of the rule of two? Is is you know only the only the strong survive? Combined with the fact that you know Sidious was Plagueis' apprentice, and and perhaps Sidious thinks he can use whatever Plagueis came up with to uh, keep himself alive longer. He thinks he can perfect the the Plagueis method. Um, Jonathan, do you get that sense from from Sidious? You know, even overall six films, even.
2: Um uh, oh God, over all six months. Um to be honest, you know, no. no. I just think Sidious I think if Sidious had his way or I think if there wasn't the rule of I think Sidious would be perfectly happy with a rule of one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that guy he it's absolute power, you know, that that's the thing you get absolute power. Do the Sith do not want to share power it but they've got this this rule that there are two if you know i think he would go the other way i think i think he would abolish the rule of two and make it the rule of one sidious on his own um you know the poor man he's constantly let down by his uh his apprentices who uh you know um anakin is um you know not much use manages to get himself badly you know obviously are great um uh sort of uh you know Dooku's okay he serves a purpose but just wants to overthrow him and um so yeah i think he's i i I think that man craves absolute power and um and yeah i think you know and again with with a lot of these things it, it you think um you know, you, there's that there's that old sort of cliched line. Why am I surrounded by idiots? <laughs> you know, you have you have the, the powerful villain, and, and and you know they're surrounded by you know stormtroopers who who sort of keep missing whenever they're shooting at the <laughs> heroes. Battle droid, pretty much the same. Um, and so, you know, if you want something done properly, you do it yourself. And I think that that sort of Sidious is um, uh, sort of outlook. Really, it's it's. You know, you have failed me for the last time. I think that's—I uh, know Dooku says that, but I think that—that's sort of probably what <laughs> Sidious thinks a lot of the time about his his um, apprentices.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a fair point. Um, Kieran, uh, what do you think about all this?
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with Jonathan about the fact that. Sidious wants absolute power for himself and that was obvious as well in the Dark Plagueis novel when obviously Plagueis created the idea of actually having a, a co-sif joint rule of the galaxy something that <laughs> Sidious clearly did not adhere to and once he had cut off ties with Plagueis he's pretty much standing there on his own saying that I am the top dog now and whoever Whoever works with me is not going to be working with me as a co-ruler, but as an apprentice. And that's definitely something that he well is, is clear with Dooku. Uh, it's quite interesting as well that it seems as though Dooku has this apprentice. It's almost as though he could take it from this standing, but they actually have the rule of two between Dooku and his assassin and that Insidious and is just on another plane from all of this. Although Dooku is Sidious's apprentice, he's never going to be able to challenge him openly. And then you've got kind of like this this microcosm of the rule of two between Dooku and Ventress and Savage and all of this stuff going on there, um, which is really, really intriguing. But with regards to Sidious, he has a grandiose vision of ruling the galaxy. Um, he needs people, though, to help him rule it. And he can't do it all on his own, but these are people who will be subservient to him and not on the same level playing field, which is pretty obvious. And he's really conniving and cunning. We already know that, which is exactly why he orders Dooku to eliminate Asajj Ventress in order to pretty much remove any well, any option uh, for Dooku to actually attempt to overthrow his master. You think this is also, in a way, the beginning of the end of Dooku, and his plot to try and overthrow Sidious. By the end of this arc, he's left with no assassin.
1: It's just him and Sidious. And, and Grievous, don't forget Grievous. <laughs> you can't get well, Grievous. And Grievous' but, like, Grievous's the role. The on. Yeah, Grievous' role kind of increases after this in terms of we we see him with Dooku a, a lot more. I mean, at the, the end of season four, Grievous is on Sereno now, and it's kind of like, oh, really? <laughs> Clearly <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel here, Dooku, uh, for your uh, for your leaders. Uh, well, let's let's move on uh, and 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 talk a bit about Ventress and the Night Sisters, and so. I think the first thing one touched on. This is kind of a, a big issue: is what is Night Sister magic? I mean, I, I've always been kind of curious about this because, you know, there's different different opinions coming from everywhere. Whether it's something different from the Force, whether it's sort of a a weird way of of accessing the Force. My theory is that it's it's an ancient way of accessing the Force, and this sort of comes from what we see in season six, where we see. Dooku and Sidious working together to create that weird vision for Yoda, and there seems to be some similar type things going on as to what we would see, um, see Mother Talzin and, and the night Sisters doing. I mean, they're standing around a, a basin and they're putting their Force lightning into it, and I, I could see the, the night Sisters doing a, some kind of a version of this. And so, to me, it seems like it's an ancient, uh, ancient, uh, perverse use of the Force. Um, but, uh, I, but. Other people think it's something completely different. So I'll ask you guys, what do you think it is? Um, Kieran, why don't, why don't you give your theory first?
0: I, I think it's definitely a form of the Force. Um, and because there's something... It, I believe that the Force is tangible throughout this universe. It, it, it's, it's the one thing that binds everyone. As Yoda says, it binds us, it surrounds us, it penetrates us. It's everywhere. Um, so anything such as this magic is merely a manifestation of the force, in my opinion. And I definitely think that Mother Towson, the Night Sisters, and her magic is just a form, a different form of of the force, but it's still the force, nonetheless. Um, I don't know how they managed to actually tap into it. That would be really intriguing to find out. How long has this been going on for? Um, clearly, it seems to be uh, an ancient ancient ritual that was, well, obviously, uh, Obi-Wan said there were ancient order, the night sisters, so it would be really interesting to see how this all evolved, and really learning about Mother Talzin's backstory, because she's a really interesting character as well, how she fits into all of this. Um, obviously we find out more about her character development throughout the story, but not as much about the past, so it's it's really intriguing. Um, whether it's a manifestation of the dark side, um, possibly, Obviously, she deals a lot with dark side characters, namely Dooku and, uh, um, spoilers, have you seen some of Daphne with Obsidious and all of that stuff? So, it's, mm, I, that, that part I'm not so sure about, but it, to my opinion, it's definitely, um, uh, a representation of the Force. Uh, what do you think, Jonathan?
2: First and foremost, Mother Towson and the Night Sisters sounds like the greatest soul review band <laughs> <on> that <Earth>. um, <laughs> I've Um, but yeah i do you know what i i'm i kind of went two ways in it i was like no it's a different thing it's the magic It's a different kind of power but the more i think about it the more i think yeah it's a form of the force which because savage oppressed learns to use the force pretty quickly Mm -hmm. um it's like a sort of accelerated luke skywalker training Period where he sort of seems to learn how to use the force in two days, um,
0: <laughs>
2: and uh, so yeah, I really I kind of felt that you know if if they have that on the planet and that he's been imbued with that and it's made him bigger and stronger, then that is all kind of part of it of how he he gains the the ability to use the force so quickly. I could be wrong. I could. I'm perfectly willing to um, to sort of accept I'm wrong, but. It feels to me like there is a, an element of the force within what what Mother in and the Night Sisters do.
1: Yeah, yeah, it always seems like it's sort of a, a a weird version of of something we see Force users do. Like even if you look at some look at what what we're going to talk about next when when we or next episode when we get to Mortis you know we see the 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 son and the and the daughter and and and, they, and the father and they they are able to change their appearance which is almost like making a couple of night sisters invisible to go fight, fight Dooku. Duke it seems like it's just a slightly different version of that and it's mm-hmm. a it's 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 really it's it's an interesting idea and it hopefully it gets explored in in more future projects because it's a you know, this whole idea of there's a whole other way to use the force than, you know, what we've been taught. Because, you know, we, we, we learn with Luke, you know, from Yoda about, you know, about lifting the rock and, and the tree and all that stuff. And then there's this whole, in these episodes, we're introduced to this whole other cult of, of people that use it by saying incantations and making potions. And they're able to do things that, you know, Yoda would never do, but they're pretty powerful and, and pretty impressive. I'm, um, well, let's let's jump ahead qu- quite a bit. And let's let's actually start and let's talk about Mother Talzin and a bit of her history. Um, in the in the second episode in Monster, she, she her and, and Dooku Duku have this conversation, and she mentions you know an old alliance um, that she had uh, with Duku, and that Duku Do- chose to help her long ago. And so I, I'm curious, is this Like, how long ago do we have to go back for this? Is this one of those things where it's like Sidious saying, you know, Darth Plagueis the Wives, making it sound like it was thousands of years ago when really it was his master? So is this one of those things where Dooku was already a Sith when this happened? Or does this go all the way back to when Dooku was a Jedi? And this is a hint as to maybe one of the reasons he started to turn to the dark side. And Kieran, what do you think?
0: I think, again... As you said, you just have to take the rhetoric and, and, and don't necessarily think that because it's something is old, it's, necess- it's necessarily ancient or, or antiquated. It may be something that has only happened relatively recently. I mean, Dooku, he's old, but he's not ancient old, is he? For example, um, I mean, I don't know how old he would be, personally, but uh, he looks like he may be in his 60s or something, if I'm I'm thinking about it in uh, Earth terms, but uh, I i don't think he's that old, and obviously she talks about the fact um, he procured Ventress, um, and that was obviously um, a a night sister from Dathomir, and... To me, that maybe made me think perhaps it was something to do with an alliance between those two then. Um, and also, I think it's an alliance just seemingly between Dooku and her. you mm. um, I mean, haven't seen much about Sidious because, obviously, we take the Dark Plagueis novel at value. Um, Sidious doesn't really know who Mother Talzin is um, until, obviously, he goes to Dathomir and then he is handed... Darth Maul baby <laughs> uh, to then train as an apprentice so again that's quite an intriguing one and that's definitely if there had been future Clone Wars episodes an arc that could really centre on how those two came about or if not a novel or something because I think that would be really interesting to find out there's definitely something there and he obviously she says he helped her but what with we don't we don't actually know that so that would be really intriguing to find out as well
1: yeah, yeah, definitely, Jonathan. Uh, any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, it, it fascinating. I mean, the thing is, uh, I find Count Dooku one of the most fascinating characters
1: oh, yeah, absolutely. in all of Star
2: Wars. Uh, there is not enough on Count Dooku, and yes. I've, I've, you know, whenever I'm corresponding with the guys that do the books, I'm always saying, please do a Count Dooku novel. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I just think, um, oh, uh, where do you even begin? He's he's a he's a he's a count who becomes a Jedi, but he retains his title. But the Jedi don't have possessions, and I no, but so surely possessing a title is against the yeah. Uh, you know, everything about him is a contradiction. He's so fascinating. I love it. And it it they stopped doing it for a while, calling him uh, Darth Tyranus. and then it kind of came back calling him Darth Tyranus, and I love that. I absolutely love what a name. Um just a fascinating character even you know and the design of him on the clone wars i think is absolutely perfect he's like an easter island statue <laughs> um just this sort of imposing uh face with this this sort of amazing beard um uh and yeah i mean he's i mean how old is he you know is, is he of i mean yeah, i guess he's human i think i i i would need to check that but Maybe there's a bit of a mystery there. Maybe he's he's lived for longer than we think. Maybe uh, oh, all sorts of stuff. I mean, his lightsaber with the curved handle is just one of the coolest um, things. He's he, He's got a cape. He's got his own sort of style of swishy cape. Um, put a cape on anyone and they'll look a hundred <laughs> times better. I'm actually campaigning to bring back capes um, nice. in the workplace, which I do wear a cape to work, actually. <laughs> uh it's essential um, I love it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's sorry uh, you've absolutely got me going on Count Dooku you now um yeah there's something mysterious with him and him and um mother Townsend but you know do, do we really do it's kind of something with star wars that i like the fact that it's not explained i don't think everything should be explained um you know i like the fact it alludes to something in our imaginations run wild as to as to what what their relationship is or was or you know the, it, it's a kind of strange relationship he goes to her for the apprentice and um she kind of then snaps it snaps him off kind of with a sort of you know we'll never expect to see you again or does he say that anyway they, they there's a real there's a slightly roughness between them um you know what what's that about it's very uh it's 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 sinister and fascinating and it, it You know, whenever you have something in Star Wars that alludes to something else, it's like, you know, 3PO saying there'll be no escape for the princess this time. I'm not particularly sure I want to know what other scrapes Leia has put in too much detail, because I like the the idea that it's just like people have got lives beyond the screen um, and that people allude to stuff that we might never see. Uh, I think that that's very cool. Anyway, sorry.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with everything you just said there. It's it's, it's audio podcast, so I couldn't see that. I was just nodding along with everything you said because, because I I totally agree. First off, on Duke, He's a fascinating character that I would love to see explored more. But at the same time, I agree with you. A, a few weeks ago, when we talked about the uh, the Mandalorian episodes, the first first set of Mandalore episodes with with Previsla, and he mentioned you know for generate or. Um, this lightsaber was stolen from your Jedi Temple during the fall of the old republic. And it sort of dawned on me that like, wow, you know, for the first time we don't know what that is. You know, we sort of had been trying to retcon it in before with with some of the with the with the games and, and everything that had come before, but now it's sort of this blank canvas and it's like, well what did happen? It's sort of it's almost the equivalent of well, you fought in the Clone Wars. <laughs> you have thirty yeah. years to, to think about but- it. But
2: the thing is, is that it, it could be the most spectacular Star Wars story ever told, or it could be literally a case of somebody just, you know, ducked behind the security guard, grabbed it, and ran <laughs> off, you know. And it it, 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 could be like, or it could be in between, you know. I love it's, it, it, you know, not everything should be the most spectacular, sort of daring, hot, you know, the Ocean's Eleven of Star Wars as, as these guys sort of sneak into the Jedi Temple. So um, although I yeah. think that, I yeah, think
1: that, sure. that sounds like a great pitch for a standalone film, an Ocean's Eleven style Star Wars story of yeah. stealing the, the the I think that would be a pretty epic story for how that happened. Um, yeah. Well, let's sort of look at things from a, from an out of universe perspective for a second here. We mentioned off the top that this is the first time we've seen flashbacks in Star Wars. This is uh, and it's really. I think the only time so far uh, and I'm just kind of curious what you guys think of seeing you guys think of think of seeing uh, flashbacks and stars you think it fits in do you think if it only works in in certain scenarios or would you rather they just uh just avoid it <laughs> in the future uh, Jonathan what do you think
2: I think um I don't think it would work if it was just sort of a character doing a thinking face, and then the screen goes all <laughs> wibbly wobbly, and <laughs> and then they. Show. But the way it was done there, I thought was really clever. That it was sort of, you know, she was injured and she was being re- revitalised, and it was flashing back, and it, it. I thought that worked really well, Um and I thought what she was seeing was really interesting. Why is there not? Would it be creepy to want a toy of a baby Ventress? <laughs> I think it would actually, yeah let's <laughs> go um but yeah and and that kind of stuff, and also sort of you know seeing her history and seeing you know seeing her little a uh, sort of little hair quiff there is fantastic, and seeing um uh you know seeing her her sort of jedi training and stuff, and maybe that's the reason she doesn't achieve her full potential um as a sith because there is good in her that mm. she was she has had that little bit of jedi training that um. Mind you, that idea immediately falls down, of course, because Dooku had a yeah, lot of Jedi well, training. Well, I was, so. just, I, was,
1: I was just thinking there, because what you mentioned earlier, you know, Sidious is, seems to be surrounded by a bunch of failed apprentices, and almost all of them had some kind of Jedi training, with the exception of, of Maul, I guess. Um, and even he was sort of... But he was able to survive that incredible being cut in half. I mean, you know, Anakin had Jedi training, Dooku had Jedi training, and both of them wound up as as failures, almost. It's, it's a, That's kind of an interesting idea, that perhaps, you know, the, Yoda says, once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Well, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe once you start down the light path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Because, obviously, Sidious never had any training as a Jedi, and he's the most evil being in the history of the galaxy. It's a, it's, it's I've never thought about it that way before, but that's an, an interesting thing you bring up there.
2: Yeah, and totally by accident. I really didn't mean to bring up quite such an interesting point. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: so sorry I brought up. So I started such an interesting discussion. Well, just going from that, well, Kieran, do you have any thoughts on, on Jonathan's accidental brilliance there?
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think that, um, uh, the, that that has got some credence to it, but I wouldn't necessarily agree with all of it. I I think that with Count Dooku, he doesn't necessarily turn back good, um, and and to say Ventress does again, that's that's quite questionable. Obviously, there are going to be different styles and and, and versions of of Sith if they've been trained by the Jedi at first, um, and maybe maybe there is something in there that is inherently quote unquote good, but then again, this is at a time when the Jedi Order is not necessarily. "Quote unquote good," it is quite corrupt and it has fallen behind, and that's something which the Sith have clearly exploited. So I don't necessarily, um, I guess, completely agree with the fact that uh, that these dominate their destiny. The idea that trained by the light side means that you will forever be light. Um, obviously, otherwise <laughs> there would be no dark Jedi. Um, but in terms of the visions. Visions are really intriguing, and again, as everyone's talking about flashbacks, flashbacks, should they be used in Star Wars films? Well, as we know, they have been used, not in the films, but in the Clone Wars, and they've been used very effectively, I think, because we get to learn about Ventress' past in a really neat way, actually, through this uh water of life, if I think that's what it was called, um, and it was just really, really fascinating to find out why, or uh, well, how Ventress became who she was. Um, obviously started off as this infant who was handed from the Night Sisters to this bounty hunter to protect the clan. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but uh, that's quite compelling in itself. And it's just this repetitive nature of failed father figures. <laughs> I mean, she has the bounty, or actually what she refers to as master. She doesn't refer to them as father, she refers to them as master, every single one of them. Um even the bounty hunter is called his master and then later Kyaneric, I think that's his name, isn't it? The mm-hmm. um her a former Jedi Master yeah. who then gets killed off and then that's when she starts going down the dark path. It's really it's really sad and quite crestfallen to actually think about how Ventress has, has become this because she's she's had such a tragic lifestyle, really, being forced to um you know, forced away from her home in many occasions. And ultimately, she, well, who she considered to be her master in Dooku, also was actually someone who she considered to be a father figure. And that's something that we learn through her past. And suddenly, the cord has been cut. And that it goes to show how much of an effect that has on Ventress when we look at the particular flashbacks that I think were her most memorable, or at least most impactful moments in her life. And that last one at the end was, you have failed me for the last time, and now you will die. Again, that's Echo Invaders uh, (laughs) line to Admiral Ozzel in episode (laughs) 5. Not that I'm saying that Ventress is anything like Admiral Ozzel, because Ventress is not a buffoon. But... I um, it, it's it's really interesting when you look at it from that standing. I think to see how Ventress has evolved as a character, and I think the flashbacks work really well. Um, I've rambled on a bit there, but <laughs> is there
2: anything to add there, Dominic? Or if I, I covered
0: well, it all. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> oh, go
1: ahead, Jonathan.
2: Oh no, no, sorry. I just it occurred to me as well. There's there's the line that Mother Talzin says, um, where she says to Ventress, "We'll we'll never forget the sacrifice uh, you made." Um, but Ventress doesn't really make a sacrifice. She's taken away um, by, you know, she's taken away from the Night Sisters and she has no choice. She's a baby. She, she's got no choice of that, which is one of the, one of those slightly creepy things about the Jedi, that mm-hmm. there is that thing that they were taking children away for the Jedi training from their families, which it, it it's kind of like, it's almost no wonder what happened happened essentially. And Anakin is almost the catalyst for that. Um, for for that whole sort of, you know, taking kids away from their parents and no attachments, which is, you know, is horrible. it's horrible. It's a really sort of naughty thing. Anyway,
1: sorry, Dominic. Oh yeah. Well, I, I just, to just, uh, comment on what you just said. I think so much of this series is about showing how messed up the Jedi really are. because, you know, in in the original trilogy, this picture is painted of the Jedi as, as these great heroic warriors, these legends, and and I'm sure there was a time, you know, long before the prequel trilogy, where that was true. But what we see in the in the prequels and the Clone Wars, and the Clone Wars especially, is just how broken they are. And like you said, Anakin sort of represents that in, in so many ways. And and you know, when Anakin falls, the Jedi Order falls. It's it's really it's really incredible,
0: and and I think it's, it's also compelling. Sorry to just jump in there, Dominic, for talking about this this charge. You will get a chance. To <laughs> yeah, speak, I, can't get, I can't get a word <laughs> in. <edge> right <laughs> <laughs> so, just to say that, um, in terms of that sacrifice she's given to that bounty hunter, I would be really interested to see what the Knight Sisters were getting in return for this. Because I mean, I didn't. They're not necessarily a cult a, a, a culture that I thought would be based upon the money, as though that was what they valued. I, I, It's interesting to see why the bounty hunter would be a threat, or what was a threat to the clan, and um, I think that would be something. I know... John has said that we don't have to t- say every line that we hear in Star Wars has to lead on to this grand adventure, but I think that would be interesting. I think in general, I'm kind of talking about just the night Sisters' past. I think that would be something which should be explored in the future. Um, and go ahead, Dominic. I won't <laughs> interrupt. That.
1: Yeah, I, I was I was also curious about the the Bounty Hunters thing cause it you know she says to that they gave her up to protect the clan. And you wonder, like we've seen these Knight Sisters do incredible things, and you know it takes Grievous' entire army you know, um, descending on Dathomir for them to for them to fall. And, and I, you know, I wonder, you know, why are the are these bounty hunters? Are are are, are these who are they working for? Or are, are they even bounty hunters? Do we know that they're bounty hunters? Are they some kind of of a nomad group or something? And if they and if they are bounty hunters, who hired them would, would it possibly be Sidious? I mean, that that's that's a possible option. You know, we know how much Sidious controls. He, maybe he thought there was potential for Ventress, um, and wanted to separate her from the from the Night Sisters to see what would happen. Or maybe it was the Jedi. Maybe it was the Jedi trying to to stamp out this cult. It, it, it's an interesting thing, and and it's it's one that. Uh, it, it may fall into that category of, of questions that maybe we don't need answers. Maybe it's something that we can just speculate about because it's it, it's a very interesting idea. It's a very interesting idea. Um, well, let's, let's 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 move on. Let's talk about the big guy. Let's talk about Savage Opress. Um, we we see him at when we first see him, he's this sort of this, this, he's obviously not the big tough monster he is in Witches of the Mist, but in the episode Monster. I found myself thinking, you know, you know, pre-Magic Savage almost might have made a good Jedi. I mean, he he seemed to be, he, perhaps he was too, maybe it was he was too loyal to uh, to Feral to have existed in the uh, the current Jedi Order. But he seems like he he wasn't so much interested in winning the contest. He was interested in surviving and helping those he cared about survive. And that seems more like a, a, a Jedi thing than a, than a Sith thing. You know, I, I feel like, you know, Darth Maul would have been interested in winning that contest, whereas Savage Opress is a little bit, is, is he, he's almost unimpressed by, by Ventress, and he just kind of wants to um, survive. He doesn't care about being the champion, he just cares about uh, making it through to the next round. Um so, uh, Kieran, what, what were your thoughts initially on uh, on small Savage breast?
0: <laughs> I really like small Savagio breast. Um, not to say I don't like big Savage, breast, but I I like him because he he has that compassion about him. He's he's a, he is a likable character because he does care so much for his brother's safety. As you said, the loyalty that he has with his brother is so so strong that. In the first trial, for example, when uh, Feral gets smacked in the face by Ventress, who I think, kicks him in the face, um, <laughs> rather than going straight to her to attack in, you know, in a form of revenge, he goes straight to him to make sure he's okay. Um, and again, later when Ventress force chokes him, again, that's when Savage is there smacking her around, and then he says, leave him alone, deal with me. Um, he really does care but whether to say that would make a good Jedi I don't think so because <laughs> compassion is not part of a Jedi's philosophy and that's something that he would probably struggle to deal with in the case of Feral but <laughs> Small Savage is really really intriguing it's it's also so sad when you think about where his character then goes and how evil he is to become well, basically he just becomes brainwashed I should say it's like um, Jekyll and Hyde in a way that He just has this complete change in character um, in terms of his attitude and personality when he turns big <laughs> as well. And it's, uh, I think that's what's really, really thrilling about this arc as well is that, and actually different from most arcs, is that you actually see the origins of characters like Ventress and Savage and you get a completely different interpretation of these characters than you would do if you had just seen them. Starting off as a Sith, um, that's my view on Savage. What, what do you think, John?
2: Uh, well, he's he's a like like a couple of Star Wars villains we could mention. He he's a tragic character in many ways. Absolutely, the, yeah. The relationship with his brother is, um, uh, you know, it's actually very moving, and I think. Uh, you know, he's kind of looking out for him and they're, they're kind of, they're obviously very close. Um, and the, the, wow, it's, it's one of the most devastating moments, I think, in all of the Clone Wars when, um, <laughs> when, you know, he, he, he kills his own brother. I think that's, that's unbelievably, uh, brutal and, and sort of very tough for, you know, dare I say, a kid show? I know, you know, it's. I know it's not. a it's not kid a kid's show. show. Don't you ever say it's a
1: kid no, no, show? There's nothing, there's
2: nothing <laughs> wrong with that. It's Star Wars, you know, Star Wars is yeah. always, you know, um, let's say a family audience. Then Star Wars um, is
1: for everyone. I <laughs>
2: think yeah, Star Wars is for everyone, but but you know, for, okay, for so I say kid show. I, I'm kind of putting that in inverted commas. Um, you know, it, it's very brutal and very sad. And he's. um, you know he does literally become a monster that who's sort of it's kind of interesting he's not necessarily evil he's he's just not in control of himself um he's not you know he he's sort of uh obviously put into that position where he's un, you know under the sith training and which is in direct opposition to the the training we see uh, uh from Yoda and Luke undergoing and and so, yeah, I mean, it, it's wow. He, he's a really sad character, a fascinating character, but you kind of know um, that he ain't gonna make the end of yeah <laughs> <laughs> by the end of the Clone Wars. Series, you kind of know he's he's gone. I mean, I think I think I'm right in saying when we interviewed Dave Filoni for the magazine. I think when Sav- Savage was originally created he was a darth maul substitute that you know obviously a character in his own right but they re- you know they, they wanted a character with that sort of the darth maul style power but realized there was no way darth maul's coming back because he's chopped in half and uh, <laughs> off the end of the uh, you know chucked off down the 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 shoe of naboo um so they create him and then George Lucas walks in the next day and says, Hey, Darth Maul can come back on. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that, you know, I think maybe if, if, um, things were different, maybe more would have been brought back without Savage Impress. press, but you know, he, wow. He's such a presence in the show though. He really is. Um, you know, the sequence where he, he's running like just, like a wrecking ball yeah. um, to, to quote Miley Cyrus. Um, <laughs> and sort of running down it, just like everyone's getting pushed and chopped and get, go wow, And, and sort of, you know, the, the, the Jedi, there's that, that great little fight with the, the Jedi, but they're just no match. This guy is, you know, even without his Jedi, uh, sorry, his Sith training at that point, he is practically in, unstop, unstoppable. Um, so yeah I mean a a fascinating interesting character but a tragic character which is kind of what makes it more interesting you know anyone can do a villain who's just a a, you know I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this and I'm going to sound dreadful because I've got a British accent but anyone can do a character who's a badass (laughs) but to do a character who you know is big bad but then they've got that tragic um backstory, it's a very Star Wars thing um, and it, it, it really works.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Savage represented sort of a, a turning point for the show, not just sort of in-universe, that you know things were going to be really crazy from here on out, but sort of uh, just in terms of you know the way the show uh was from this arc or forward it it was it dealt with bigger issues in the star wars universe and it, and it and it was darker and i think you know savage um breaking his brother's neck um is sort of indicative of that and and like you said he was he was a tragic character i mean right up until when he dies in season 5 and you know he, he says I, i'm not like you brother i never was there's this sort of pang of like what could he have been if he hadn't um, fallen in, fallen in with, with Ventress and, and, and Dooku, and, and gotten st- stuck in this in this big game. And you know he was he was ultimately just a, a pawn in, in this massive chess match between <laughs> between Talzin and, and Sidious, and 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 the Jedi as well. It's it's it was like I said, tragic, tragic character. Um, and and well, let's let's talk about one of those scenes you mentioned there—the uh, the, sort of the reverse Yoda and Luke on Dagobah. That was just one of those uh, one of those moments where it was like, wow, so this is this is how, this is how it works on, on the other side of the fence. Because you know, <laughs> where he, we, he says that line, uh, um, uh, Savage says that uh, the line that's uh, basically a, a quote from Luke. And it, it just seems so weird <laughs> coming out of coming out of this uh, Darth Maul looking massive monster, and then to see how Dooku responded versus Yoda, and it's it's almost interesting that you know Dooku was Yoda's Padawan, so maybe you know this is sort of Dooku learned something from Yoda, and then when he went to the dark side, he twisted it into this weird evil way of training someone by. <laughs> torturing them to death. Um, Kieran, what, what did you think of that scene? Yeah, it was, it was absolutely
0: transparent in the parallels between Count Dooku training Savage Press and Yoda and Luke Skywalker. It was just Dooku's form, as you said, was twisted and perverted. Um, it was exactly the same in some respects, though. There were so many similarities. Obviously, Yoda demonstrates lifting that X-wing, showing what Luke kept should be able to do as the same way that Luke lifts up those blocks or or rocks and shows Savage what he has to do they both fail at doing it, the two apprentices and then the teacher well, I mean, ridicule perhaps not to the same extent (laughs) Yoda doesn't do it to the same extent as Dooku does who just force uses force lightning against Savage but they say believe in yourself, you Will be able to do this, although how they do it, how they tap into it, is completely different. Lucas is going from the light side perspective, whereas Dooku says that he has to tap into his hatred, whether it's hatred for his master or just hatred in general, um, in order to lift those rocks. And he's only able to do it after Luke Dooku Force uses Force lightning continuously against Savage that he's forced to lift those, and so it's. It's not surprising, though. As you said, Dooku was Padawan to Yoda, and he would have learned a lot of his tricks from Yoda. But to see Sith training in action was just, it was just fantastic, really. Um, (laughs) Poor (laughs) Savage. But I I, I do thought, I did think it was just really, really intriguing to to really discover Sith methods of training. And Really, at this time, we again we hadn't had the Plagueis novel at this time because that came out a year later. Uh, obviously, we get to see some more uh, tasks or trials of training um, in the Plagueis novel. But I think this is the first time we see obviously Dooku sparring with him, and now Savage trying to utilize the Force in the world of Star Wars. And it was really, really just it was it was fascinating. Um, but as I said, poor Savage. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely Jonathan any more thoughts on, on that scene I know you kind of touched on it already but
2: yeah yeah I mean it, it's interesting like um, you know you, when Yoda's training Luke Luke sort of gets something wrong or, or you know t- doesn't achieve something that Yoda's taught him you know, Yoda, Yoda's response is to just bow his head and look slightly forlorn whereas you know <laughs> Dooku is like force lightning <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> which, which I have to say, Force Lightning seems to be the, the, the sort of, the trump card for the Sith, like, you know, that, that kind of almost beats everything, I think, um, when, when they're fighting the Jedi there. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating to see the Sith, uh, cause it, it the Sith training, cause it kind of shows how, how the whole Sith thing operates, that they keep, um, you know it, it they rule by force they they you know that that's i'll think of course we see that with uh on a grander scale with um sidious you know ruling by force and and uh rather than do they use reason or <laughs> um anything like that or or patience um you Know this, this whole thing with the Sith is the the Sith because they want things, they want everything and they want it now, and they're you know, they're like a greedy child in a way. Um, whereas, of course, the Jedi will you know achieve their goals by meditating. I mean, the Jedi are quite boring, aren't they? Meditation, <laughs> the Sith are like lightning, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really say that. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a great sequence, and, um, and yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see other Sith being, like, you know, Darth Maul going through the same thing. Yeah. And how did, how did he react? And how, you know, because he's obviously a, a man of fewer words than, uh, um, Savage. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, definitely. Well,
0: yeah, I think that'd I be compelling as well, oh, because. because we don't, we don't actually know whether this is, is necessarily, necessarily just Dooku's, Dooku's twisted version of training, or actually or a, a generic form for of Sith training. Sith, right? mm. well, what do people well, think about that? Is is, is this, this, this Sith training Sith or Dooku training?
1: I I, I think it's a, it's a bit of both. I think it's more. uh more Sith training than, than Dooku training. I think Dooku probably went through this at the hands of Sidious, and probably the only one that didn't have to go through something like this was was Anakin, since he was, you know, burned on the side of a lava river. <laughs> um, but I, I th- I'm sure every Sith incorporates their own little uh, techniques and, and, and tricks into into training, just like I'm sure every Jedi does, and every teacher does in in, in the in the real world. And so I think. There's definitely elements of it being uh, uh, specific to Dooku, but it's also uh, also a, a wider Sith uh, Sith uh, training technique. Uh, Jonathan, what do you think?
2: Well, I'm just trying to think in terms of Vader's uh, Sith training. Would yeah, be, would I guess be sort of after he's in the suit, mm-hmm. in which case sort of Force Lightning's gonna just short out is <laughs> that that probably wouldn't work um yeah it, it's it's difficult I think I mean yeah I think the basics are that is the basics of the training that it's this brutal um you know this brutal sort of angry kind of get it you know it's, it's no way to learn anything really but it does work because it makes these guys <laughs> these guys into into warriors um but yeah, Do- Dooku definitely, I think, is, is subverting Yoda's teachings because there's too many links there to to, dis- to dismiss that out of hand. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I, for I wonder for uh, for Vader because it seems to me that part of the Sith training is making the apprentice hate their master, and uh, you know, and it's done in this way through physical pain. The physical pain you know that the force lightning and well vader kind of endures the ultimate physical pain when he gets burned um so i wonder if you know for had to take on a, a slightly different approach for vader whereas he had to emotionally beat him down and you know anakin's already pretty beat down by the time he puts on the suit but you know to keep beating him down like that and and because you know i remember thinking to myself one time when watching return of the Jedi, like wow the the relationship between these two has really changed from the prequels because mm-hmm. you see in the prequels those two are they're, they're friends there's this 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 mentor relationship and they they obviously you know Anakin obviously quite likes the chancellor and yeah. then you know in for him to be at the point where he, he hates him you know there's obviously a certain amount of you know he lost uh, everything he lost padme he lost the life that he had before his mother and and you know he can blame the jedi to an extent for that I'm sure Sidious wants him to do that, but I'm sure Sidious spent a lot of time, sort of emotionally, um, emotionally uh, assaulting Vader over the next 20, 25 years until Vader is willing to <laughs> try and convince Luke to turn to the dark side and overthrow him, and then throw him down the chute.
2: I think, uh, I think arguably, though, f- for Anakin, like you know, the, um, Palpatine is very encouraging and sort of he's, he's very kind to Anakin. Uh, the person that gives him re- real emotional hard time is Mace Windu.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> who, I mean, he's a, I, I shan't say the word, but he's a right to, uh, Anakin. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's a kind of fascinating parallel. But then where I guess when Anakin is fully Vader and the, and the costume goes on, that there's the resentfulness from Anakin to, uh, to palpatine sidious because he's he's promised him you know he's going to re- uh, uh, save padme and doesn't and therefore that would make anakin absolutely nuts and absolutely hate him but that by that point it's too late there's nothing he can do
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you mentioned Mace Windu. That that was something that the show uh, kind of explored earlier in the series. And it made me kind of wonder, and I'd I'd like your opinion on this, Jonathan, is if it had been a different Jedi other than Mace standing there um, with his saber at the throat of Palpatine, if it wasn't sort of the juxtaposition of, here's the guy who didn't want you in the jedi war who said you were too old he didn't want to take you in and here's this other guy who's been encouraging you for your entire life you know the choice is, is not that difficult if you put it in those terms obviously you'd side with palpatine but if it had been let's say i don't know maybe not obi-wan's maybe obi-wan's not the right choice but like what if it's like plo Koon or somebody there who was wasn't quite as as much of a blank to anakin yeah um would he have would the decision have been harder maybe or, or would anakin maybe have chosen differently
2: no because anakin uh, the the trump card here is always going to be padme yeah
1: and
2: it, that you know padme is, is anakin's primary focus she's um and i'm trying to figure out a way to say this without sounding incredibly creepy but there's something about Padme that she's almost like a mother figure to Anakin. Yeah. She's that bit older than him, you know. She he he meets her. She's she's the female figure that is there when he leaves his mother. So she kind of replaces his mother to a certain extent. There, um, you know. I, I think Padme is the one. And after um, Shmi dies. I think, uh, spoiler alert again, for <laughs> a, not in um, I think, you know, she becomes so vitally important, mm-hmm. especially after the Jedi have, you know, essentially kept him away from his mother for all this time and her circumstances have changed and she has been killed um, uh, in, in you know, what's implied to be a really unpleasant uh, very nasty, horrific ordeal. So um so I think the only person I think Anakin might have thought twice about is maybe Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. Maybe Yoda if it had been Yoda instead of Windu but but then Yoda it wouldn't have been such an issue because Yoda would have probably been able to sort of take down Palpatine at that you know at that per- sorry, Sidious. Um, no, it's the same person, isn't it? Just my- <laughs> um, <laughs> Again, spoiler. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah. So I think Obi Wan would have probably been the only one to talk reason, maybe. But I think it's game over at that point, anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's de- definitely the case. Pa- Padme is the trump card. Well, let's let's get back to the the episodes. Um, one thing that was pretty cool about this this arc was that it not only did it sort of set up the traje- trajectory for the next uh, next little while for the Clone Wars, it also kind of it went back and, and dealt with some of the things that were established early on in the series. I mean, we and when we had Dooku send Savage to to capture King Katunko, I mean that goes all the way back to Ambush. Um, it goes all the way back to the beginning, and it shows you know Dooku can really hold hold a grudge and. I, I love that they, they sort of incorporated a, a, something from, from season one into such an important arc. It's sort of, you know, it, you know sometimes the Clone Wars can seem like it's one story here, one story here, one story here, and then there are those moments where it goes, oh no, this is all one big story, and these are all going to interconnect in some way at some point down the line. And so, uh, uh, Kieran, what did you think of, of seeing Savage go after uh, old King Katunko there?
0: Yeah, it definitely works well in, in bridging a lot of the arcs that we've already watched and viewed, and certainly King Katunko has had a bit of an arc himself, to be honest, because that wasn't the only episode. He wasn't just involved in Ambush, but obviously Supply Lines was another episode he was involved in, where we actually got to see Toy Daria for the first time. I mean, chronologically, that was way, way back, but <laughs> this was in the same season, of course, so we, we got to see a bit of Toy Daria in Season 3, which was, again, that was quite fascinating, just gleaning an idea of some of the uh, Toydarians' culture, and it's not all just what Watto um, was <laughs> in episode one, but they actually do have some established order and hierarchy and, and, and governance. So that was really intriguing, just to see how um, do how, how we go back to that, because we all probably forgot that ourselves actually, when Duke is like, oh, go back to King Platoon, like,
1: oh yes, I remember <laughs>
0: that, and it's one of those just rejigging the the memory banks, so to speak, and that was really, really exciting to go back. Um, not not if you King Katunko, obviously, because <laughs> that, that was the last episode for you. But it was uh, it was good to see Duku, um, as you said, holding a grudge and actually uh, following through and, and dealing with the situation. Of course, the situation didn't end how he wanted, as he explicitly told Savage he wanted him back alive, but that didn't happen. So. <laughs> Um, unfortunately it didn't quite go to plan as Dooku had conceived it but um, it was it was interesting nonetheless
1: yeah it was almost it was almost a, a, a better ending for, for Katunko in, in a weird kind of way because I, I feel like if, a Dooku, if, if Dooku had gotten him he would have he would have prolonged his death and given him a very brutal death or Savage he You know, he he, it was over pretty quickly. Let's put it that way.
0: Um, As as, as he force chokes him and then he throws him down like a dead. Well, yeah, it's
1: well, it's not ship. it's not an ideal way to go out, but you know, given the choice between that and having Duku torture you for days, I, I might take the the quick neck snap. I don't know, um, or I might
0: take the way of saying, "Yes, Duku, I will join a separatist alliance." <laughs> that <laughs> there, there's that too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that too, I mean, that too, but that would have devastating re- results for the people of Tridaria, and King Katunka was a as a good and smart leader, I guess. Um, Jonathan, what what did you think of of, of that scene?
2: Oh, it was great. I mean, I I have to say, um rewatching these episodes, I watched them through the eyes of my girlfriend, who hadn't, who's, who's never seen Clone Wars, and so she, this this was the first story arc, and we we watched it, and she, you know, when she saw the Toydarians appear, she, oh, I love those guys, the little guys with the wings and little legs hanging there, and and they've been brutally chopped to pieces. <laughs> Oh no, they've got a king! Oh wow, he's really cute. No, he's dead as well. Great, <laughs> right, thanks, Clone Wars. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it's kind of nice to see that sort of stuff though, because you know, similar to sort of when we they appeared in am, uh, you know, they, they went to the we saw them in ambush. Um, you know, it's lovely to see stuff that ties to the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, a- anything that they can use to tie. Clone Wars of the movies is always really good, Um, and also you know it's it's interesting to see that they're not all like Watto, as a you know as a species. There's there's something sort of um, something with Star Wars that sometimes we expect everything to be the same. Like you know when you have a planet in Star Wars and it's an ice planet and that you know that's it. It's not you know that like a planet would necessarily be where there are a different sort of ecosystems um what am i rambling on about yes (laughs) um and so it's it's nice when there's sort of um different um traits of the same species so that you know you you know you can have for to simplify it completely you know Greedo, for example as a kid for some reason i thought the entire species were just terrible and they're bounty hunters and they're horrible um but then you you know we've we've met sort of lovely um greedo people later on and they you know they've been they've been thoroughly pleasant um something Again, okay, i'm rambling here guys and please cut me off or edit me out if i'm going to <laughs> here. but something i think is really interesting that i I love Clone Wars. I think the whole thing is absolutely brilliant. But there is one thing in this arc that really jars, and I'd be fascinated to to know what you guys think. And again, I underline: I absolutely this arc is brilliant. The the show in general is is you know one of the great TV achievements of all time. But the bit where they see Savage Press Attacking the Jedi and Yoda and Obi Wan are watching it on the, the sort of the hologram screen, and Obi Wan says, "Darth Maul, how come he's still alive? As if it wouldn't occur that it just could be <laughs> another member of, Darth, you know, uh, another sort of night Brother or something." I've I've always thought
1: that just kind of jarred a little bit with me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's the the outer universe <laughs> reason that we could you know go through that they're trying to establish the uh, you know the difference between the different types of Zabraks we we see that there are some some Zabraks on the on the Jedi Council and, and all that and you know I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the guy who did the uh, one man Star Wars uh, where he goes through yeah. the entire trilogy original trilogy and, and by himself and acts out and one of the scenes he does is. Um, at the beginning of episode four, when the imperial officer goes up to Vader and he's, you know, Lord Vader, holding her is dangerous, blah, blah, blah. blah. The guy goes, Lord Vader, exposition, 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 exposition. And that, that's sort of how I felt about that scene. It's like, Obi- Obi-Wan, a uh, retcon exposition, retcon exposition, you know, sort of that kind of stuff going on there. Um, and the only sort of, justification I can think of is you know, maybe Obi Wan wasn't necessarily aware of the Knight Brothers and he sort of saw this mass this, this Zabrak with those those tattoos and you know the, the the hologram I believe was in black and white so he couldn't tell that they were yellow and black instead of red and black. That's that's the only <laughs> that's what? the only justification I can think of for that scene. I,
2: I tell you what, I I'm I would I would never argue with a host of a successful podcast <laughs> but in your case, I'll make an exception. <laughs> I'm fairly sure, fairly sure that you can see that he's he's got a yellow face. Okay. I'd I'm, I'm, need to go back
1: I'm, I'm and double check. I'm, I'm booting up Netflix right now. So. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: well, I, I also, yeah. I'm going to jump in now, and I'm going to say that I think it's also obvious the fact that there is this massive Zabrak when Darth Maul wasn't that big, was he, for goodness yeah, sake? I mean, he's got, a lot Park is, like, Ray Park, like, and...
1: Ray Park like, barely six feet tall. Yeah, yeah but kind of mean,
0: you him to, to this guy.
2: It sort of makes me worry a little bit. It kind of makes him look a bit of an idiot. <laughs> um, but then, and there's a scene in Attack of the Clones when, you know, there's a missing planet and he can't figure out for him himself. He <laughs> has to go Yoda <laughs> And the younglings tell him, like, oh, have, you know, oh, it's it's obviously it's, someone's erased it from the archive. Yeah, someone's erased it. Oh, I'd never have thought of that. So it's kind of, yeah, I thought it was, it was jarring. Um, And between that between that and be, being the first person sort of out in a three-way sword fight, um, you know, as we see with Ventress in this story arc and as we see with Dooku in Revenge of the Sith, I, 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 and we're quite in
0: episode one.
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh. poor, poor Obi Wan. It's like he's one of my favorite characters, but he doesn't help himself much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's almost he's almost that like he's he's the guy who he's very smart, very wise, and you know he can maybe hold his own in a sword fight, but he, he, maybe fighting is not his, his speciality, as as he would say. Maybe he should stick to. Uh, uh to to giving advice and uh twisting the truth uh from a certain point of view yeah and and i just finished checking netflix and and yeah you can you can definitely tell there's yellow in savage's face so yeah jonathan was right points to jonathan and uh anyways let's uh let's move on here hey everyone dominic here i I hate to interrupt the the podcast like this but I, i feel i have to explain what you're about to hear um, when we recorded the podcast, we had some problems with Skype, and, and the call was dropped at around this point in the conversation. And, and those of you that use Skype know that this happens from time to time, and it's incredibly annoying, but it's something that we have to work around. Um, well, and then when we got the podcast going again, we ran into some other problems, uh, this time with our recording software, and as a result, the audio for the second half of the podcast is a bit out of sync and people's voices don't line up with the way they were when we actually had this conversation. Now, I couldn't bring myself to just throw out the rest of this podcast because there was so much good stuff in there, and Jonathan was so great, and he brought so much great insight and some great stories. Um, that we couldn't get rid of it. We have to keep it. It's it's that good. So there will be times during the rest of the show where it may be a bit difficult to understand what's going on, uh, though most of it should be fine. Um, you know, when it's just one person talking, it should be fine. It's just when we, you know, change topics and, and have little exchanges, uh, it gets a little bit difficult to hear. Um, and, and look, I, I just want to apologize to everyone listening. Um, and to Jonathan for this. I I have no idea what happened, and and to be perfectly honest, I'm I'm pretty angry about this. I'm feeling the dark side swell up in me, which is is why I chose the Imperial March to play under this. Um, Anyways, again, I'm so, so sorry about this. Uh, Hopefully it won't happen again, and we're looking into ways to ensure that it doesn't. Um, So with all that in mind, I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, so we just want to move on and talk about that fight. Uh, poor Savage getting so many uh, uh, bolts of, of Force lightning over and over again. I mean, as if the training wasn't bad enough. And we got that, that great scene between uh, between I mean, Dooku and Ventress where they finally meet again. Uh, uh, just such a great scene. Uh, so yeah, I want to ask um, you guys, um, what was your opinion of the absolutely fight? Absolutely like, amazing. Jonathan, just uh, why don't you go first? Just beautifully
2: choreographed. Really, you know just not just an action sequence you know character is all important so everyone's in perfect character and it it works really well it's visually stimulating exciting to watch um i would let you into a small secret i was lucky enough to see um see that's the the last sort of i don't know five minutes i guess of that episode um at Skywalker Ranch at a um yeah, 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 name drop. Um, uh, um and they oh, showed God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and they well George Lucas was there. But anyway it's uh, more of a location. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah we kinda watched that sequence uh sort of a licensee sort of thing, kinda of get together that was on and Um, it was I guess it must have been about three months before the season even started so it was a real kind of treat um, and one of one of the great perks of the job but um, I remember watching that and just thinking wow this is absolutely like the pinnacle of what you know these master craftsmen are able to do and it, it really great and there's so much in it and there's so much character. You know, you've got essentially three villains fighting yet you're really invested in it. You're not, you know, it, it's, you know, normally you watch a fight and you want the goodies to win but these guys are three baddies and so how does that work? Who should I be cheering for? It It's it's sort of very um, uh, sort of kind of a, a difficult on the mind if you like to a certain extent but you know and and then sort of the heroes turn up and it, 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 everything kicks off um just an amazing sequence and there's that poor battle droid that gets thrown into the uh, the oh i, I I've been unashamed about this and I'm really sorry to to anyone who disagrees. Uh, these battle droids are absolutely fantastic. I absolutely love. I love the battle droids the fact that they get a message through and he holds his hand up to the side of his head like he's got like an earpiece in or something. It's like why would a robot do why would that you need why would there's no reason for that. Um but that's what makes it so good. That's what makes it so funny. Um you know, it, it, it's Star Wars, it's not meant to be sort of cyberpunk William Gibson or anything too thoroughly serious. It, it's meant to have, you know, a lightness and, ironically, a lightness and a darkness. So you you have those amusing moments that are just so funny, you know. Anyway, so, yeah, the fight, the Sarja Press, Um it, it's just phenomenal. Um, it's really cool. The, thing, the other thing I think is really interesting is that... Um, not to beat up on poor Obi Wan anymore, but um, but Dooku is he's probably around the same age <laughs> that Obi Wan is in um, uh, A New Hope. I would say they they seem you know around uh, you know uh, how old is Obi Wan in A New Hope though? I think he's he's probably about sixty in the sixties around that age, Yeah, yeah. So how come Count Dooku is so much oh, more yeah, theatrical and flamboyant and able to do all these stunts and stuff, and everyone can just about spin around? Uh, and it, but I if love that. It's all part of it. All, it's all part of the, the sort of lovely Star Wars <laughs> sort of kind of stuff that doesn't quite come together, but still is still very very cool and good fun. So yes. Anyway, the short answer to your question is um, phenomenal absolutely phenomenal um and <laughs> what make what's from this standpoint and knowing what's to come that what's even more exciting is it's not even the best lightsaber fight we see on that show and that is just that blows your mind and it's a it's on a tv show it's this isn't <laughs> a movie this isn't a you know this isn't sort of um a uh big pixar you know um Movie 3D movie release. This is on a 20 minute. Um, I'm not sure they weren't on Saturday mornings by this point, I don't think, but um, you know, this is again a kids' TV show. No, no it's not a kids' TV show, but it it's a kids' TV show. Um, so yes, phenomenal. Anyway, I'm really sorry. <laughs> someone else speak for the sake of us all, yeah. That. That fight was just spectacular,
0: really. There was right, Joe, so much surrounding it, which I know uh, John has just briefly alluded to <laughs> in that last segment there. I There was so much good about it. Obviously, the characters, Ventress, Savage, Press, and Dooku, um, they've all got their own agendas, which is really, really fascinating. Obviously, um, when it you, when you, first kicks off, it's only between Dooku and Savage and... Um, Savage has clearly done something completely wrong. He is supposed to bring back Katunka alive, and he brings him back dead. You know, there's <laughs> it's a difference between those two, surely, mate. And uh, as a result, um, he gets force lightning uh, uh, attacked <laughs> against him again. Uh, poor Savage. I mean, he he had to well endure a, a lot of force lightning throughout <laughs> these that last episode, didn't he, from Count Dooku? And uh, I. I don't know how many times it was, but it was surely <laughs> enough to do what, pretty much what happened there. It, it makes sense that he just lost it basically <laughs> because he'd been, he had to endure so much pain from both of these tutors really. Um, I mean, Ventress had a agenda of hoping to kill Dooku and, uh, Dooku had his own agenda of wanting to des- just, to destroy Ventress and remove that, uh, so-called assassin that he was supposed to get rid of when uh, Sidious ordered him to kill her. So it was just really, really fantastic that all of these villains have their own agendas. And and as yeah, Jonathan has said as well, that w- who are we rooting for here? And it, it was really difficult to actually choose a side, and eventually it went from tag teams to just basically an all-out Sith fight free-for-all, really, wasn't it? It was just adventurers v dooku of savage and then they obviously had the the third element or the fourth or however many elements you've got of the jedi entering into the fray as well and it was just uh, it was just electric really and although we see uh you could argue better quality lightsaber battles in the future i think the extent of this just having so many Sith in just one room and a, and the jedi as well fighting it was just Oh, it was unmatchable really and at this time it was so groundbreaking as well we'd never ever seen anything like this um the closest i could think was perhaps the force unleashed at the time but just to see it um in g-level canon was just it was just so thrilling and enthralling to watch i can't say much more uh, praise for it really it was incredible
1: yeah and I, I think the the best way to describe that fight was just absolute chaos. <laughs> Everything was going on at the, at the same moment and, and yeah, like you guys said, you, you didn't know who you who to cheer for. I, I think for me, I eventually settled on on Savage. I wanted to see Savage uh, carry the day. Obviously, we we know he he couldn't, um, you know, at least take out Dooku for obvious reasons. But it was uh, it was absolutely it was incredible. And the moment where he, he actually he does get the upper hand, he gets them both in a, in a force choke was was just absolutely incredible and. And I love sort of the moment where, you know, Ventress and Dooku have both gotten away and Savage is about to go after them. And then in come Anakin and Obi-Wan. And like this is the moment usually when a fight is about to kick off, you know, Anakin, Obi-Wan approaching the, the villain. And really, they've just sort of they've just appeared at the sort of the tail end of the fight. They're almost they're almost sort of the, 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 the secondary fight to what's really going on, which is incredible. And yeah, just seeing the villains absolutely go at it um, was so cool. All right, well, let's let's talk about the big thing. We've we've alluded to this all throughout the episode, but, of course, we get the reveal at the end um, that Darth Maul is alive. Um, So uh, we'll just just start off. We'll go around the the virtual table, and we'll say uh, just... What was your initial reaction when you found out this was <laughs> happening? Um, so, um, so, Jonathan, uh, well, I'm sure you okay. have some good insider story Can about you, this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> No, I'm just trying to. I'm I'm
1: trying to remember. <laughs> if you don't, I don't I know, out, if you just want to go, oh my god! What
2: happened is at the screening at the at the Skywalker Ranch um, meeting, it had that at the end, that and they showed that bit, and then oh, and I just remember thinking well they've not put that in for there to be no payoff no. I mean can you imagine if they oh yeah you're gonna find it and he like turns up and it, it's someone else entirely and it's yeah. like oh <laughs> <laughs> that would be really lame <laughs> so and it was like oh wow and you kind of your mind kind of think yeah. well hang on a second <laughs> he like Darth Maul kind of okay but then in the comic, of course, there was that great um, Star Wars. I think it was in Star Wars Visionaries um, where he's got th- the legs, and I thought, well, that's going to be interesting to see that in mm-hmm, yeah. in the show, and to see a sort of rematch. Um, obviously, Darth Maul going after Obi Wan, and of course, I, I, you know, that was where my mind went to that point. But um, it was it was kind of like oh wow that that's going to be a, a a sort of fascinating um, yeah a, a fascinating thing to bring that character back and of course you know th- there is that thing of it yeah he got cut in half and chucked down the pit but at the same time there, there's the characters in Star Wars are, are coming back mm-hmm. from the day. I mean you know Vader gets limbs cut off and you know uh, falls into the lava and all that stuff so I don't think it's, it's not quite such a push. And I remember at the time somebody somebody said, I can't remember who it was. I wish I could, so I could carry on ridiculing them. They said, uh, they said, well, oh, it's a bit far fetched that. And you kind of think, why oh, not? I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, watching a thing, you know, we're watching a, a series of films and a, of TV and books and comics where, frankly, anything could happen and anything should happen. And, as long as it's as long as it sort of it it, it yeah. convinces within the star wars universe then it's totally fine absolutely totally fine um and it does it totally yeah of course yeah do you know do you want to have darth maul back in the show yeah <laughs> i think so um so yes. So that that I think was what happened and then we, we did a a feature in the magazine on it, which I think I think kind of maybe came out a little bit early than it should have done. So <laughs> I think a lot of people were quite cross who subscribed to the magazine they were like, Oh no. Um But um yeah but but it's so exciting, you know, it's when you actually watch and it's also you know, you see the crystal ball and you see the face in the crystal ball and it's uh, Mother Towson's there. Who, by the way, I've always thought and this will mean nothing to an audience outside of the UK. But I've always thought that Mother, if they put Mother Towson in, in a live action Star Wars production, there's an MP in the UK called Tessa Jowell who has exactly her face. Not with the the markings and the the weird trippy cloak thing going up there, but she's got the she's got Mother Towson's eyes. Um, I encourage everyone to Google <laughs> Google her. it would be weird. Her, her, her name's Tessa Jow. She was very much responsible for the what's he, um what's a couple of years back. She was organised. Yes, up, I yeah. I, see, I that. see that. I can see I, that. that. It's quite. Just be me. I'm ple. I'm so pleased you've said that because um, I'm forever making comparisons between people. who go. What are you talking about? They look nothing like. Them. Anyway. So yes. um So yeah. And and it's a great sort of. It's a great cliffhanger to the to the episode. And I love the fact, of course, then it it's not resolved in the the epis. The next episode along, it, it they
1: make us wait, which of course we should do. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, I I just googled this woman and yes I, I totally see that um, I, I I absolutely see that um, and I think I think I remember that, yeah, that feature in, I'd, I'd inside say, no, I remember waiting at like the plague wonder, until that episode
2: came out sort of the end of the episode it it was it was sort of one of those things it really wasn't deliberate it was just for once I think the subscription company was slightly um uh sort of quick on the ball and got and got stuff out there to, like a little quicker than we would have liked. So normally <laughs> normally you know, things like that don't happen. So uh, <laughs> yeah. the one time. I know the one time is a huge boy. Uh, yeah. Okay.
1: Like the one Never time. The one again. time. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um Yeah. Anyways, Kieran, what were your, your thoughts about Darth coming back?
0: Was back alive? I mean, again, it's not as, as Jonathan has said. It's not something that is so far fetched. I mean, that person who said it was far fetched. Um, we've obviously just seen episodes with Geonosian zombies and uh, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: it's it's like. You yeah, know what else is so, trying so a, a space station up. But anyway, blows that's up I mean, come day. on. We'll
0: talk about Anyways. half more back. It was just it was just incredible to see that they actually decided to go ahead with this idea. It's not something that necessarily had crossed people's mind. Obviously, there had been comics about it, but he never thought that it would actually come back. Everyone just assumed that when he was cut in half and uh, kicked down that chute, uh, that was it. He was gone. And uh, there was not going to be a return of him but it turned out to be a, a great great idea by the Clone Wars team and I, I think it paid off uh, obviously if they had longer time um, then they would have been able to continue the story further but from what we get to see then I, I think they have a, they executed perfect, uh, with near perfection I have to say it's just a, a great arc that's, that's yet to come but just to round off my initial impressions it was shock, surprise, um, the, the usual things you see in big revelations in TV shows, like, obviously, Game of Thrones and Walking Dead. You get these moments where you're like, oh, my gosh, your, your jaw drops, and you think, wow, they, they've actually done this. And it's just, it was remarkable, um, but in a really good way. And I think it, it pretty much epitomized and exemplified this arc, that it was just so it was shocking but it was great you know it was it was just so thrilling and enthralling um and it really really paid off with that end reveal of Darth Maul so um, just it was just great wasn't it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no, I'll echo what you guys said I, I, I really I, I thought it was such a cool idea and I, I remember, you know, lots of people were sort of, were, were, you know, the people that were kind of iffy on it were also the people that were like, Darth Maul should have lived past the Phantom Menace. I he <laughs> he it was a terrible idea to kill him off, and now he's back. How is that? He should have stayed dead. Like, come on, guys, you can't have it both ways. Um, and, and but yeah, it was it was such a cool reveal. I, I loved it. I, I think it was so cool. And and it's it, it that's an interesting, but it's totally tied, you know, somebody can to be the, cut in half the whole and cut idea.
2: Of what else can you they, know, the Sith will do anything to hang on to life, and they're they're you know, you know, he's been cut in half. Most people think, Well, I've been cut in half, yeah. that's kind of like what's the point. Also, you know, I've, I've sorry to get a little bit adult, but I've lost the business engine <laughs> you know, the, the tail area, um, so yeah, there we go, but. <laughs> um and the other thing of course that we left the, the other feeling I, I just remember that i was left with and that you know i think the audience as a whole is left with is oh my god obi-wan's in trouble <laughs> you know you've got savage Press, who is you know already your formidable opponent yeah uh, <laughs> you know who, who you know could could take take down the jedi essentially if he, he's he's a tough guy um uh, and then you've got Darth Maul and you think well those two getting together that's you know that's going to be you know how are they going to beat them how, how's what's going to happen with Obi-Wan how is he going to and how how will Darth Maul uh what, how will he take revenge what form of revenge will he take what's you know it 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 leaves so many questions which um you know all good cliffhangers should do really what?
1: Yeah, yeah, and and the whole thing about you just mentioned there about the Sith doing anything to come back. You know, the other thing was not to jump ahead of the season and talk about uh, about the season four finale. But you know, people were like, well, they didn't explain how he survived, like. Yeah, they did. He went crazy. He, he used the dark side of the Force to sustain his life, and that took such a mental toll on him that when Savage finds him, he's just running around yelling Kenobi and, and muttering nonsense and talking about the, the Force, and he, you see the toll it has taken on this guy to stay alive for, for you know, 20, or how long would it would been, 15 years, maybe 10, 15 years. Um it, just leaving off garbage. So uh, yeah, it was it was amazingly pulled off. It makes total total sense. It, Kieran, you wanted to say something
0: about the beauty of Star Wars that they'll they'll give us an answer, but then they'll more questions will be brought up as a result. It, it's never ever going to fully answer every question that we have, and and that that sometimes an irritation, but it's sometimes a, a really a good thing about Star Wars, but in terms of Darth Maul coming back alive, obviously he's using the the dark side of the Force to sustain his life. It does make you think though, this is going even far, far into the future, about Sidious's ambiguous demise. I mean, a lot of people are saying they don't necessarily want to see him back in Episode 7, but again, is that so far-fetched? If we can see someone like Morby cut in half and then obviously resuscitate himself through the use of the dark side, who would he have learned that from? Surely he would have learned that from Sidious. So I, that's just an open-ended interpretation that I think if, I'm not saying that Sidious will come back, um, I don't think he will, but um, he, th- th- there is an opportunity there that if he does, I wouldn't see it as being overly... Ridiculous. I think it's it's plausible, really, in the Star Wars universe. I don't know what your guys' opinions are on that.
1: Yeah, I I think you know this this show. It, one of the great things about the show is it expands so much of of what we know is Star Wars. It, it takes the foundation of the six films and it just and it goes off and it pushes the limits, but it pushes them in ways or it pushes off in different directions, but in ways that you don't that don't feel like they're just like okay, that's totally out there. Um, and, and the, on the rare occasions when it did feel totally out there, you know, that was because it, it did kind of go so far from what we know, but it took things that we, what we know and built on it. And so, and as it built on it, it pushed the limits of what we thought of as Star Wars. Like, how can the dark side be used to keep someone alive? And, you know, Maul, you know, <laughs> you know when you get cut in half, um, you know, don't die instantly. There's that. There's a little bit of time there where you can keep yourself, where you can start using the dark side of the force to keep yourself alive. So it's sort of the thing. Um, you know, George said, you know, unless you see a body, and you know, and I think that means, you know, unless you see like a body being burned. <laughs> um, you don't expect the, Don't don't necessarily think that they're dead. As for how it relates to Sidious in the sequel trilogy, I, like, not to get into it, an episode seven discussion. I I don't. I agree with you. I don't necessarily think that will be. The direction they go, but it's not but completely out of the realm. Well, of the I know for sure we're not going to
2: see the King um, of Toy Story. What, what, what do you think about that? About, uh, he's what up he's there. long gone, despite popular demand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that we didn't did see him burnt, though, did we? So that so <laughs> <we're Yeah>. not, <laughs> What a twist! That's <laughs> true. That's very true. I mean, as well, you know, you know, people say, "Oh, we got cut in half," and he fell down this bottomless pit. Well, for a start, it's it's not going to be a bottomless pit that would just be weird um, and secondly you know in the <laughs> night sisters thing we saw Ventress being thrown out of a window and being able to grab on to the side and save the other the mm-hmm. two other sisters so it, it's not you know none of that's in the fort in the um, uh, with beyond the realms of possible um in Star Wars, and you know, in, in sort of these kind of things, maybe maybe no one ever dies. I don't know. Maybe there's a chance for everyone to come back, Um but Probably maybe not
0: Windu, but possibly.
2: Well, you know, I mean, uh
0: no, I, I, I saw his hand cut off. I know that
2: much. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe um, yeah. maybe grows his hand back. But it, but it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seeing more come back. And the the other thing I think that. Having more Darth Maul returning it is, you know, I remember at the time uh, Dave Filoni, as ever, just saying stuff that really makes you think and flips everything on its head, saying, well, you know, Darth Maul, Palpatine wouldn't have just had this um, strong, silent guy who's just a warrior. He would have, because Palpatine seeing the Clone Wars is coming. Would want someone who could act as a general. Maybe Darth Maul would have played Dooku's role in the whole thing, um, you know. The, and of course, that's oh yeah, of course, you know. It's, it's um, so it, it's it's yeah, it's a fascinating thing to have him come back and um, um, really intriguing. And of course, as well, the, the tease of you know he's got this, he's got a brother and how 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 will that work um yeah no, very cool i'm I'm really rambling now i'm sorry guys <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> that's fine no uh, this the show is a, is a is a it's a vehicle for rambling um one one last one last thing i, I want to bring up um uh, it kind of relates to something we were talking about earlier uh with the night sister magic and, and all that um Talzin, why doesn't Talzin just go after Mall herself? I, I know that, that that kind of takes away, you know. The, there's the obvious answer that well, we need the story of Savage going, if I, but, but you know, maybe maybe there's a reason. Maybe is is it perhaps that you know the Night Sister magic? This, uh, as, as we all seem to somewhat agree to a certain extent, is, is some. Form of the force is it? O- does it only work on on, on no, I mean, I've heard people speculate that before. I don't know if that's if I'm necessarily that, but
2: because they're using go the ahead. invisibility on where they go after Dooku.
1: Yes, fair point. Fair point. Um, so um, yeah, well maybe yeah, the other maybe it's more that maybe not that it doesn't work on anywhere but dathomir but maybe dathomir is the power base for it or, or something like that um but uh, you know talisman obviously has this talisman that supposedly leads to maul is it something that it only works with actually, this is my this is my theory that i just came up with now does it only work with you know somebody who's uh related to maul and that's why she needs savage or i don't know it's just it's something that i kind of wondered about um i was not, Feel like there's probably she probably has a reason. She's kind of like Sidious in the sense that she she does everything for a reason. There's not, she doesn't just uh, go around doing things you know for the heck of it. She she thinks of uh, she she has reasons for everything. Yeah, there I, has there's definitely some reasons to much. bring maybe, up. Maybe that's we, it. I'm going to bring up up what do you think? Here,
0: Dominic. It's just Mother Towson's motives throughout this whole arc. I mean, I'm under the impression that that she may well have orchestrated all of this. I mean. It's really, really intriguing, but I could kind of see it. As you said, she parallels closely with Darth Sidious as, as this individual who plans everything ahead. Um, obviously opportunistic as well because Ventress returned home and that was something that perhaps, uh, um, well, I don't know whether Mother Towson had foreseen that, but it was something that clearly just happened. Um, and from then on, obviously she, attracts Dooku to come to dafamir, take the apprentice. Well, I, I wonder, does she actually think that for the, when Ventress goes to Dooku's home in Soreno that she'll actually kill him? Um, I wonder about that. And also whether um, Savage Press and Savage Ventress will succeed in killing Dooku in season four, because, uh, sorry, season four, sorry, in the Witches of the Mist, because obviously we see in the Massacre episode that she uses this little puppet or doll where she <laughs> has basically Dooku's... I don't know how, but Dooku's hair and just starts, well, pretty much killing him from Dathomir. So clearly she has the tools and capabilities to do it, yet she's never actually done it in this arc. So that makes me think that perhaps she never really was um, wanting and desiring to kill Dooku at this time, that she actually had plans for something grander um, and that—I mean, obviously, she also told the Jedi where Savage Press was, and then immediately after she told the Jedi where Savage Press was, she told Asajj Ventress to go and attack Dooku now. Immediately after the scene transitioned from one to the other, so I—the more now we've seen it when we look back in hindsight, I—I I genuinely believe, and this may be over the top and it might might be exaggerated, but I think that. A lot of this was scheming and, and, and ploys devised by Mother Towson, and she actually had an ultimate ambition at the end of this and these were just the stepping stones to reach that. Um anyway, that's why I ramble for <laughs> for that particular <laughs> question. But I don't know what people's thoughts are in general about what Mother Towson and uh what well, Dominic's yeah. question and, and my theory.
2: Well
1: <sighs> Well just, right. <laughs> What do you think? I think,
2: and this is a this is a barely formulated idea. <laughs> You'll be shocked to learn. But I think she needs Savage Press, or she <laughs> needs a Sith Lord to get in contact with Darth Maul. Because if she if she goes and looks for Darth Maul, you know, the, the, on Dathomir, the, you know, the, the the females and the males are divided, and so to get darth moore who she probably knows has gone a bit crazy and, and needs to be you know not only reached geographically but reached on a on a on a mental level who what who better than not only a uh not only his brother but also his brother who is a sith lord or is a is a sith at that stage and so I think that could well be the long game there that, you know, she, she, but yeah. press goes into the training and goes through it all, so that he, so that Savars can be sent out, um, as a sort of, as a more likely candidate to get Darth Maul back in action and back, um, you know, snapped out of his, his sort of exile.
1: Yeah. That, that's an interesting theory. Yeah. that. You know, there's there has to be some sort of a deeper connection than uh, what what there is between Mall and Talzin, at least sort of what Mall is aware of about Talzin at this point. That you know, maybe it's a Sith Lord or a brother or or something there that that keeps him uh, get <laughs> that that will uh, bring him back to to Dathomir and and uh, and that will be picked up at, at the end of season four. Uh, well, um, it, so, um, we've talked about Karen, it so have talked uh, want to I I about think, this episode?
0: Uh, oh, in terms of topics, the only thing I wanted to raise was the Mother of Thousand thing, which I have done. So, yeah, I think uh, I think well, unless Don- Jonathan has anything to add.
2: I have got one more thing to add and I'm sorry, I have to get this off my chest. So so episode three, the sequence where Oh please um, do uh uh Sidious is using Force Lightning or Mace Windu and it it comes back and there was there was kind of this debate of whether the force lightning is the thing that made his face, you know, revert to the, the Sidious face that we know and love. Or whether um you know, whether that was just his true face behind the facade. <laughs> I think this story arc proves that the second of those theories is true because he's using force lightning right, left and centre on the Savage Press and Savage Press is not he's not kind of getting the freaky forehead with the bumpy you know, the bumpy head thing. There. Well, oh. And if that is a part yeah. of Sith training, then all yeah. the Sith yeah, like that. Very of, good point. Uh, <laughs> they would all have that, that sort of <laughs> look, wouldn't they?
0: Well, I, 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 I've got my own thing to interject there with. Um yeah. I think yeah, that, I, I that I will have to disagree with right. you, Jonathan. Uh, oh. I, I, I know, absolute shocker there. <laughs> I won't, <laughs> Please don't end the call on me. Um, (laughs) I the reason why is because a couple of things. First of all, I think that the Sith has the ability to control the intensity of the Force lightning, and I don't think that Dooku had the complete intensity uh, that he could have used, or the capability that he has in terms of Force Lightning capabilities on Savage. It was more like short bursts of Force Lightning. I mean, he was fighting Pinterest at the same time. Um, and I think he has the ability to control that. So that's one reason. But the second one is, I remember reading in a Darth Plagueis novel, um, which I am going to take as canon. <laughs> but if it's not, then this theory will be completely wasted. But um, I remember <laughs> him talking, Darth Sidious talking directly of Darth Plagueis about Force Lightning. And saying for one to become obtrusive or to absorb absolute power, one has to project somehow, project force lightning onto themselves. So it was the ability to reflect the force lightning that you were utilizing onto yourself. And that's where I, I believe, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but where I believe that the whole cabbage face came about, um, lack lack of a better term there. And that's kind of what I think is happening with Sidious there, um, personally. But come on in, Dominic. Well, Well,
1: I'm I'm actually... I'm going to actually use your evidence to support Jonathan's point here. Um, The idea of, to achieve ultimate power, you have to use the Force lightning on yourself. Well, maybe when he's achieving ultimate power in that moment, by having the mace... Uh, you know, shoot the force lightning back at him with the with his lightsaber. Um, that is in that moment he's well, revealing you, his. I, I think his that's true what, how, self, how are you true defining true
0: face here? Um, because obviously we've seen know, Palpatine. I, that, Do you I, mean that not, he has um, the, the, the the whole Palpatine face was merely a facade? I mean, I, I mean, obviously we know that in terms of his personality, but in terms of the actual, I'm going to get really delve into something really <laughs> complex here. But like his actual face. um Surely that is Palpatine's face. I mean, is that uh, yeah? We, we know that, but are, we, are you saying that the Palpatine, the Sidious face that we see after sure. he has used the Force lightning, is or was his face before Palpatine? I don't. I'm, I'm confusing myself. Well, well, may,
1: maybe maybe it's sort of a it's a it's a on a on a more. It's less on a physical level, more on a, a metaphysical level. I don't know if that's the right term, but you know, he he gets he's getting this lightning back at him, and he's achieving ultimate power. And it's and when he achieves ultimate power, it reveals his body transforms to better reflect that, to better show him as you know this is going to sound corny as, as can be, but to show what he's really like in his heart, you know, that he is this sort of ugly, evil person. And when he's achieving ultimate power, it's revealing that. And so when Savage is being lightning, it's being force lightning, well, we're, we're, we're not really seeing who he is. And, and perhaps there's something with the, the night sister magic that, that helps him uh, keep it, keep the, the, the brute face. Um, because, like when he dies, it, he does transform back to the, the savage we know from from the from the first part of Monster, um, but. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. It's something I, I I hadn't thought about before, and I'm glad you brought it up, Jonathan, because I'm going to think about this some more <laughs> because it, it's it's a very interesting a very interesting idea, and I, I quite like the idea on it, it, that. You know, when he's he's achieving that you... the force lightning, it's revealing oh, uh, no, who he really say, is. I mean, also um,
2: don't forget yeah. in Return of the Jedi when uh, Go ahead, Jonathan, uh, the Emperor's force lightning Luke. now i know you can arguably say that's not for very long but if he's controlling the intent if he can control the intensity i don't believe that he's controlling the intensity on, on <clears throat> um force you know the attack on Luke. i think he's giving it to Luke full blast
0: well, well, I think he is to an extent, though. No. Like, up until that last mm-hmm. bit when he said, "Yeah, like, and now Luke doesn't walk, change," like, you will die. Yes, then he's going full power. But before that, he is kind of, isn't he? Because he's just giving short bursts out there, as so though just to again stun him a bit.
1: But. <laughs> But he, but he, but even in that time when he's that last time there's still the whole build up to his Vader gonna change his that's still a, a fair amount of time and Palpatine changes. Oh no, I, 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 I'm when, starting when to Mace agree with the
0: fact that I, I see that, that the so, force light and Luke thing <laughs> that is projected onto himself <laughs> is is transforming him to really be a personification of the dark side or how dark he really is, um, and that's why his face turns like a cabbage <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying a cabbage yeah. but it's the first thing that comes to mind when I see his face um, and yeah look, I, I agree with that but I, I do, do think though that they, Sif do have the ability to control the intensity of the force lightning um, if they, I mean if they had no control over it then it would just be going loose wire and, you know if they did anything it would just be either full power or, I, I, there must be some way that they can control what they're doing surely
1: well, maybe that's in just, I don't know, maybe that's in just, like, how long they they use the Force Lightning on somebody. Because, I mean, let's be honest, I, Dooku uses pretty short blasts on on Savage, for the most part, with the exception of, of when he's getting him to lift the, the, the rocks. But during the fight, they're short blasts to knock him back, and short blasts to knock him back. So I, I could see th- definitely see that being sort of full power, and just sort of not having, you know, because he is in the middle of of another fight, so he's just kind of trying to send Savage, uh, knock him down so he can focus on on killing Ventress, and you know, because Dooku kind of winds up um, failing in his mission in in all of this as well, and he didn't kill Ventress, I mean, that was his direct order from Sidious. And you kind of wonder, does Sidious know? I'm sure he does, I'm sure he's got some way of knowing, um, and so Dooku sort of, (laughs) in this arc, is really focused on trying to to knock Ventress down. Um, but yeah, that's a, like I said, that's a really interesting idea. I hadn't, had a thought, I, I, I honestly, I, that hadn't really uh, occurred to me, but I'm really glad you brought that up, Jonathan, because that's a very interesting theory and, and I, one that I quite like, that it's sort of revealing who he truly is. It's, it's great. It's one of those great things about Star Wars, that there can be, that there is sort of a, a deeper deeper meaning behind some of these seemingly physical, uh, physical moments. And it's, it's great. All right, well well let's uh let's transition here to our uh, to our segment where we just we talk about some of the some of the great moments and some of the great quotes from this arc um and just to pick out some of our favorite quotes uh from these three episodes. So, um Okay, Kira, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go, go first on this one. I've got one uh, from, I want from the one of your favorite quotes from this arc.
0: And this is when Dooku is on Hologram's Ventress and says it's not the very nice line I have to say, but I I quite like it. It says, "You have failed me for the last time." You are no longer my apprentice, (laughs) and now you shall die. I don't know why. I think it's just, it's so impactful, really, and uh, those words are very, very memorable when it comes to this arc, that's for sure. Um, Who's next? (laughs) Who's next on the list?
1: Um, (laughs) Jonathan, do you have a a, a favourite quote from... from, You you can go episode by episode. It really springs to
2: mind. um, We get a repeat of As You Wish. Um which I really like that as a line because i w- when a character says that in stars, when yeah. sort of it, <laughs> says it's always a kind of actually I know better, but <laughs> I have to do what i 'm being told um i you know I'm sure lots of people have used that all the time, all the time at work or whatever. um but there's the line um they're talking about uh, it 's the nights it's I think it 's mother Townsend where she says says uh, men are easy to acquire but di- but uh difficult to keep um i thought that was a a really cool <laughs> line because it's not only is it slightly camp um <laughs> it's also very much um kind of what happens you know it, it's they they get someone and he's essentially you know as, as a sith he's a loose he's a kind of a loose cannon and they haven't really got as much control as as you'd think.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and for me, I'm also going to go with a a Mother Talzin quote. This is from the end of the of the first arc um, when Ventress and, and the two other night sisters and Kairos and Naras they come back after uh, failing to kill Dooku and, and you know, Ventress goes where we failed and, and Talzin says where one sees failure others see opportunity and I thought that was just a, a great line and it's one yeah. of those lines that could be used in a, a, a very sort of in a, a good way and a very evil way and it was used in a very <laughs> evil way in this arc and, and Kieran I know I've only got one the, more with, now with uh, several just so give me a chance ones for a few putting
0: more. on the actual Clone War Strikes Back page, but uh, this one, again, another Dooku one, he had a lot of great lines, This song. well, a lot of characters did but Dooku stood out for me, it's at the end of the monster episode when he says, I foresee we will do, I'm not going to try the accent, I can't do the Dooku accent, so I'm just going to stick to the British one, I foresee we will do great things together, I shall teach you the ways <laughs> of the dark side Soon your powers will rival that of the great Sith Lord Darth Maul. We will be even more powerful than Lord Sidious. We shall rule the galaxy together, my apprentice. That's just like a great speech that Dooku put there. And it really was the first time that was clarified. And I think um, openly, frankly stated that he had ambitions to topple Lord Sidious.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a great, great moment. All right, well, that, that's t- it's about that time to wrap things up. So let's do so by uh, giving our final thoughts on this oh, arc and a score out of ten. Great, Jonathan, arc. since you were the guest, um, uh, you get to go the first. Production uh, final team, thoughts and a uh, uh, score uh, out of ten for the arc. Absolutely
2: top of that game. Um, you know, great work from Katie Lucas. Let's not forget the writing. Um, and you know, you can see she's always said she's, uh, you know, as a kid yes. growing up. um, she's very influenced by uh tank girl and you can kind of see sort of connections there with tank girl and the, the that, that kind of stuff um <laughs> and also also as a as a kind of just a, just as it occurs as well um the the um voice design the sound design of star wars is always brilliant but it's particularly brilliant when mother towson speaks and you've got that sort of weird creepy echo coming in behind of the you know sort of other voices yes. coming. <laughs> absolutely brilliant um absolutely loved it i think i will give it well there's always room for improvement so let's give it as an arc nine out of ten
1: <laughs> I do think uh, Kieran, this um, is how worthy of, final of my and the first out of 10.
0: 10 out of 10 because I I generally think it was the, a groundbreaking arc that in my opinion it, yes. it's the landmark that I mean the Clone Wars was always great before this but it really just amped up and, and it touched upon so many themes that we've never really considered before but were just so exciting, so enthralling the fact that we actually had an arc just centered around the Sith and the Dark Side was—it was, was incredible—and to see how that all panned out—and it, it was quite dramatic in terms of saga-changing uh, um, impacts as a result of this. Learning about Sith training, getting an idea of um, Sidious's ultimate ambition and the rule of two. And how this storyline was to develop. Savage Press Again, Maul is back alive. I mean, if that's not groundbreaking, I don't know what is. And all of the elements combined with the great music by Kevin Kiner, sound design by <laughs> David Accord and Matt Lanta. <laughs> Matt Lanta, sorry. Oh, this, <laughs> the sneeze, the sneeze put me off. <laughs> sorry about that. Great sound design by our own. That word. <laughs> <laughs> And David uh, David Accord and uh, Matt Wood, it was and just the whole Clone Wars team in general, it was absolutely fantastic. And I think that's why this art deserves a ten out of ten. And I mean, this is this is one of the pinnacle moments. I think that we have to look at the Clone Wars and just appreciate that this was an incredible spectacle. Dominic, what's your final thoughts on this art?
1: Well, I, the thing I loved most about this, this arc was that we really focused in on, on learning about the dark side. That's something that, that you know, that we, we learn little things here and there from, from Yoda and Obi-Wan and, and, and characters like that about the dark side. But it's always in sort of this, you know, stay away from that, stay away from that kind of mentality. And in this, this arc, we sort of, we went headfirst into, you know, Sith training and, and all this stuff. And we saw it from the... Uh, perspective of people on the dark side and i thought that was very interesting to see and very cool to see i'm glad we 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 got to see that um also i to echo what you said about the great music from kevin kiner uh, i i loved that savage O'Press's theme was kind of a more tribal version of duel of the fates in, in some ways with this sort of the the, the chorus uh chanting and, and all that stuff i thought that was really cool and i'm glad they kind of Transition that to mall a little bit In the in the later arcs It was just so much good stuff Fantastic voice acting, fantastic sound design Like you guys said, uh, really great Writing, directing, visuals Everything, it's, it's oh God, one of those arcs and so, yeah, I'm going to agree with Kieran uh, and Can I give up a, my score give to it a 10, 10 out of 10? Because I feel like I've right, so thank- uh, betrayed The show, <laughs> 10 out of 10 Go on 10 out
2: of 10 <laughs>
1: There <laughs> we go. There we go. It's, we're, we're, we're in agreement. It's a 30 out of 30, I guess. Um, uh, so thank you everybody for listening. Uh, don't forget, you can catch the show every other Tuesday, except for this um, next sort of time in between coming off. We're taking an, an extra week just because of some other stuff we've got going on. Uh, but in the meantime, you can email us uh, your thoughts on on this arc or the next arc we'll be discussing which is the Mortis Trilogy so I'm, I'm sure everybody has lots of opinions on that uh, you can do so by sending an email to clonewarsstrikesback at gmail.com uh, like us on Facebook facebook.com slash clonewarsstrikesback or just search the Clone Wars Strikes Back we've got a lot of cool stuff going on on the Facebook page lots of cool pictures and, and videos and, and stuff if you want to keep the, the Clone Wars alive in your Facebook news feed then, then this is the page you want to like um, and then you can follow us on Twitter at TCW Strikes Back you can follow me personally on Twitter at DominicJ25. You can follow Kieran at C-Dog and Six. And you can follow Jonathan at J-Dog underscore Wilkins. Or, uh, and support Star Wars Insider. Support Jonathan and everything that his team do there. It's a fantastic, fantastic magazine. Uh, you can subscribe to it by going to TitanMagazines.com slash Star Wars. It's a great read every time it comes out. And then you have to face the challenge of do you want to read it cover to cover right away? or sort of savor it and, and, and fill out the time between it this issue and the next issue. It's, it's, the, it's the challenge you get every time it shows up at your mailbox. Um, and yeah, so be sure to do that. TitanMagazines.com slash, or yeah, TitanMagazines.com slash Star Wars, and follow them on Twitter at Oh, there's so much insider. going on with Uh Kieran, what's coming up on Expression FM We were this on air That.
0: I've spent the last 3 days pretty much doing radio shows not, I I think I've spent more time in a studio than I have in bed it's been uh, it's been absolutely manic at the moment but um, I've got a weekly show now with uh, my good buddy called Will Short, who um on the thursday at 12 p.m till 2 p.m which for you guys in america will be in uh, something like seven or eight p.m uh, sorry seven or eight a.m in the morning so if you want to be up for that then yeah <laughs> otherwise you can uh listen back to it on www.expression.fm and we do a, a weekly show which is a bit like uh, well jonathan might know this show it's uh Tony Blackburn's Pick of the Pops, where they basically choose a random year of music and play some tunes from it, basic, uh, basic principle. And we just have a, 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 well, great time just looking at old tunes. I think we chose 1975 and we're focusing on Queen. We had the Beatles, uh, David Bowie. It was just incredible scenes. And uh, Sports, Expression Sport, just to finish this off, uh, on the weekends at 11am uh, till 2pm, where we round up sporting news over the past week from all sorts, whether it's basketball, it's netball, football, cricket, curling, if <laughs> you name it, we've got it all covered. So yes, definitely keep in touch with that. Like us on Facebook, <laughs> it's Expression FM, website www.expressionfm and Twitter handle at Expression FM. Over to you, Dominic.
1: All right, and uh, and uh, I'll also plug my my other podcast, the Star Wars Underworld podcast. It's uh, weekly Star Wars uh, news and discussion. Uh, last last week we we interviewed John Jackson Miller, the author of uh, Star Wars: A New Dawn, and then we we. Did an in-depth review of of A New Dawn, and then as if that was enough, there's that new Clone Wars uh, arc, the story reels, the Crystal Crisis on Utapau. And if you haven't watched that yet, uh, go watch it. Uh, it's it's really cool. It's very interesting to see that it's uh, see how the Clone Wars was made. And hey, it, it gives us another another episode of this show to 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 produce sometime down the line whenever we get to that. But yeah, Star Wars Underworld podcasters uh, talked about the Clone Wars, A New Dawn, John, with John Jackson Miller, and we delve into the uh, the rumors uh, that came out for this week and you can find that uh by subscribing on iTunes to the Star Wars Underworld. Um and that's where you'll also find this show. This show is a spin-off in Star Wars Underworld. And uh you find the show on that same iTunes feed. Uh if you're gonna be at New York Comic Con this next weekend, uh well I'll be there as well. If you see me, uh come up and say hello. We can talk Clone Wars, we can talk Rebels, we can talk F7, whatever you want. Um and that's uh New York Comic Con this weekend. Um October 9th to the 12th at the Javits Center in Manhattan. And between shows, be sure to hit up StarWarsUnderworld.com for all the latest breaking Star Wars news, uh, whether it's uh, this Clone Wars Legacy stuff that's going on, uh, there's that Season 6 Blu-ray that's coming up, and then also uh, these little things called Rebels, Episode 7, and the standalone films. Uh, so be sure to hit that up in between shows. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us on this episode, and may the Force be with you all.